Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Again, and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show. Broadcasting on CITR Radio from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. If you're listening to this show on the podcast, this is episode 251. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. I am Joe DC. And I'm Gideon Hill. Yes, we're having a foursome in the studio again this week, but without Zach, who... It's a way doing whatever people like Zach do in Alberta, or whatever anyone does in Alberta. D- does anyone? They'll be playing the World Cup in Alberta. Oh in well, yeah, there is that. Not not a fantastic footballing week in Vancouver, really. Between World Cup news, Whitecaps news, any of you guys got some good news to share with us? Oh, it's a fantastic weekend in basketball. I know you got, you don't watch it, but the March Madness is unbelievable. Uh, is that in Vancouver? The, the college basketball tournament. Um, American, yeah. Michael. <laughs> um, but, uh, for example, a 16 beat a one a seed for the first time ever. It's basically a 111th team beating the number overall number one, which is like Nambia beating I, Germany. I like a, my underdog stories. It's like Nambia beating Germany, basically, in the, in the World Cup. Uh, in Vancouver news, I scored a couple goals in my drop-in soccer game. Oh, That's like the best thing I can come up with. Yeah, we really. we really need to get the camera working in the studio because Joe is in shorts. I think that could add a new demographic listening. I, you know, I thought it, that I could get away with that, but no, I mean, Michael. I mean, you'll probably get mobbed now as we leave the studio. Yeah. I mean, the girls, <laughs> they'll they'll be putting up Joe Deasy posters in the dorms. Down with the Kurt Cobain ones. <laughs> Already a married man, unfortunately. Let's let's get back to some football talk. I I had a fun day yesterday I was watching Imperial Cup semi-final action if you haven't checked our YouTube channel for that check that out because fantastic match between Reno's Tigers and Club Inter that the one with the manager running onto the pitch yes that, yeah okay four goals 89th minute equaliser coach running onto the pitch getting sent off for running onto the pitch <laughs> uh, bust up in the 120th minute where two guys get sent off seconds before a penalty shootout oh my goodness uh, penalty shootout missed penalties oh it was just fantastic check out the, the video as I said on YouTube for that and a lot of the guys that played in that game we're going to be talking about in part 3 when we reveal part of the 2018 TSS Rovers roster but we're going to start with some white caps news and unfortunately we, we have to look at the debacle that played out in Atlanta forget the walking dead the Whitecaps were dead men walking after about 10 minutes of that game. But 
before we delve into all the ins and outs of that, just what's your quick general thoughts and feelings coming out of that game right now? I was annoyed because I, like the cap's set up in a very interesting way. Um, I don't think we even saw it coming on the preview show that we did, but no, the formation I, was Anyone that was at training didn't see that coming either, yeah. so there we go. But like having that spectacle um, being like interrupted 10 minutes into the game for something so farcical that we're definitely going to discuss later on. Um, it just annoyed me because I thought the formation looked really good for the Whitecaps and, uh, you know, what could have been, like, Atlanta, one of the best teams in the MLS. Like, it could have been a great game and it seems that one decision made by uh, the referee changed that. And so I'm just kind of annoyed about that, really. It was a game that was getting shown to a worldwide audience. It was live in the UK think probably about 11.30 at night it was on there and it, it had a lot of attention, 45,000 fans in the stadium, ruined 10, 10 minutes in, but I mean, how, how are you feeling about it now Gideon? Yeah, you know, obviously disappointed with the way the, the decision came from Elfath but you know, I, I'm happy they scored a goal, to be honest uh, it sucks that the, the winning streak uh, ended as we haven't had one three straight yeah. games to start a season The invincible season that I was hoping for is not happening <laughs> So yeah, I mean that was uh, in that sense it's a little bit disappointing. But they got a goal. They came out and didn't allow concede more than four goals. So I guess that's a plus in, on one side of things. I, 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 going into the game, we weren't expecting much. We weren't expecting like a win because it's a tough place to go. Well, but we got him in the wing, huh? Much. He was playing. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so, but we weren't expecting two, uh, three points there. So, it, but to have it happen like that. Um, I agree with uh, Joe that it was just disappointing to see that there was no chance at that point. That, that and I had to watch the game knowing the result. I came and uh, I watched it, uh, obviously recorded. So I that made it, you for doing that. That made it more difficult. Yeah. So, um, but it, it's it's like I said, disappointing, and um, hopefully they can turn it around. But it's it's tough when you lose uh, your captain in the next two games. Well, might even lose him for more than that, but. We'll start by talking about the formation. Joe alluded to it there. The Cats went with three at the back, which, I mean, on the preview show, you did talk about was that going to be an option. It was quickly dismissed by by all the guys. I had a sneaking feeling he may try it, but we're talking maybe 20 25%. I would uh, put it on. Just because I, I, I thought he, we talked about it last week as well, he might try and match up Atlanta. And with De Jong out, do you think it would have been the right choice or was that a big risk? We don't know because we only saw 10 minutes of it. I, I think when, when we talked about it on Wednesday uh, was that I wouldn't want to do the three early on the season because you don't have a sub on the bench to bring on if something like that yeah. happened yesterday. So that's the only issue I had with playing three at the back. Again, it wasn't a terrible performance, but I think right now if you only have three healthy center backs and you put them all out in the field and Waston gets a red card, what do you do? You have to switch your formation up mid-game. And, and, and the four, uh, like... Th- the three, whether well, three five two, was it or th- yeah? Well, it was, oh, it's hard it to tell. Of, it was kind of all over there. Whatever it was, but I, I think they should have. Like, I don't think you should match up with a team that's far superior in talent. I think you got to show them something different. But we didn't even get a chance to see. If no, they I would have been able yeah. to match yeah, up. Yeah, no, it's true. I think the fact that changed maybe that influenced Robbo's decision was David played so well at left back yeah. the previous week that we thought, and he played. He was the best player on the pitch. If if the man of the match sponsor wasn't a, a beer, yeah. he would be the man of the match for the first like two of the three games. Probably two of the three to, games, like, maybe even the oh, the one in the middle too. Yeah, yeah. like uh, it, I think we didn't even get a chance to see 
Like, the midfield battle would have been where it would have, was won and lost. And to be honest, I would have favored Atlanta in the midfield anyway. Yeah. But um, I, I think it was a 3-5-1-1. Like, the, just looking at it. Mesquita would, yeah. was dropping in a little bit, and Blundell would be the, the target man. Maybe just to get another, like, a numerical advantage in the midfield or something. And, yeah, I'm, I'm annoyed we didn't get to see it, because how often do we see changes like that and the curse of the back three continues yeah, I mean, yeah. has anything ever good happened when the white cats have gone three at the no back? you got white stuff and then you got red <laughs> stuff <laughs> <laughs> red and white together against red bulls yeah. oh yeah it, horrific we'll talk about some of the individual players in, in part two but we have to talk about the, the boston sending off i personally still don't see it as being a red card var was used but even with that, you read comments uh, on some of the articles on Twitter, folk are still torn on it. So, I mean, if the fans that's watching it over and over can't make their mind up, I'll give Elfast a little bit of due there. If people can't make their mind up, it's it's hard to call. But then at the flip side, that's not clear and obvious then. No, There's two I, things. I, I, I don't think it was. I, I think I agree that it probably was a penalty. Because you did drag him down, but I think it was a drag down, I, not a strike. I don't think you can even call a penalty. Well, I, I'm saying the worst case scenario, it's a penalty. But I think there's no chance it's a it's red card. It's just the difference in height between, yeah. I forget who the Atlanta player was, but like Waston, Waston would elbow someone walking on the street because he's so tall. I, I don't even think it was an elbow. I think it was no, a it shove. Was not, I don't think it, it was, was an it elbow. Was a shove. He was it shrugging hap- him off. Yeah, it just happened to be like, the elbow that the, the, struck him. There's well, two obviously th- didn't punch someone in the nuts, but we'll come <laughs> to that later. There's two things that, that are... Uh, that I think are the key issues about this. First of all, we don't know what El Fat was like. What he saw? Did we see all the am- angles that he saw? Yeah. Right. Because in VAR, you only get the what the broadcaster can have. So it, I assume that if the broadcaster has a feed that shows a clear elbow, then we would be we would also have seen that the same that El Fat would have seen. The other thing is, I forget the other thing. I completely blanked. Oh, um, like Watson, he's just taller than. The player that that seems yeah. to be the only thing. Most, like if Watson goes up for a ball, most people's heads going to be at L. Yeah, and, and and the thing is, Watson has a uh, a reputation, and it's like I see. In, in, in the last year, in the last year, he's been fine. No, I know, but I think that reputation Elfath still. Has a reputation. Oh, now he does yeah. definitely. That article was very interesting that that you wrote this morning, Michael. Yeah, I wrote that one in the morning. I okay. maybe a bit more <laughs> some St. Patrick's Day juice yeah. to keep you going. I know. Where was the luck of the Irish Joe? We needed you in Atlanta. We're gonna have to pay. For you to travel on St. Patrick's Day to watch the Whitecaps. I, I accept. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it's just in Vancouver, but we'll, we'll see what happens with that. I mean, Gideon, did you think it, it was a penalty at the time? Did you, do you think it was a penalty now? Seeing it live, uh, seeing it live during the game and not going back to replay it, uh, I think it was a penalty. Going back to replay it and watching it over and over again, no, not not at all. I don't think... The, how long it took the referee to decide gives you the answer that it's not clear and obvious, therefore it yeah. shouldn't be a penalty. If it takes him, what, I think Farhan Devji tweeted it took him four minutes total to decide. Like, that's not a clear and obvious decision yeah. in my mind. You and can't award a penalty. I argue it was just a minute 25 seconds. It was like, it was not a minute 25 yeah. seconds. It, it took way too long. And it's not meant to take that long. That's the whole point. It's not meant to disrupt the game. Of course, we wouldn't even be talking about this probably if Escobar had, had finished his chance. Ah, Escobars, they just cause trouble. <laughs> Let's look at Elfath. I alluded to, or Joe alluded to there, and I wrote an article um, looking at some of his stats when he referees the Whitecaps, and eye-opening. I knew we didn't have a lot of luck, let's put it that way, when Elfath was refereeing matches, but 16 matches, we've won three, 
they were in the first six. We haven't won any of the last ten matches with Elfath in charge. Eight of them have been defeats. In three of the last five, Laba, Shea and now Waston have received a red card. Something I didn't put in the article, but someone tagged me in this and I had a look. On whoscored.com, you can actually have a, a different kind of breakdown of what Elfath's done. And that is fascinating viewing or reading because when you look at that, it's all the away teams that are getting penalties against them, red cards against them. I think there was one penalty given against a home team and no sending offs. And Atlanta yesterday, during the VAR deliberation, played the video on the screen, which they're not allowed to do, causing the, the crowd to react. So again, a bit of home bias there. Who knows? I saw the Who Scored page that Michael talked about as well. It was uh, one penalty to um, the away to the one penalty against the I home it was team against New York, and yeah. six against the away team. Yeah, and then it was one red card, and it was like eight or nine or something red yeah. cards for the away team. Like but that's just. That's not coincidental. It can't it, be. It can't. That's that's not an anomaly. Like no. the home and away, um, like barrier isn't that big in the MLS at this point, really. Um, Robo didn't mince his words about him. We'll, we'll be playing that in a bit. But It'll like, get a fine. Nothing's gonna change. No. Like, what's well? He's gonna speak to Howard Webb this week. So. Yeah, but like Spider Man. <laughs> Howard Webb is someone I like have faith in, but like I don't have faith in in Elfath to change anything, right? Like, I don't know it. What can you do? Like, how many times have we walked away from BC Place cursing the referee or, yeah. like, have the referee walk off with the security guys beside them? Like, it, it's just not yeah. going to change, especially when you're one of the le- not-so-popular teams no. and there's not that much attention. Like, the Dempsey thing that, that happened today that we might talk about later, yeah. that was a red card. Yeah, right? that was a red yeah. card. That was, that was a strike. Yeah, that was, that was absolutely shelf. a strike. That's a guy that deserves more than a one-match ban, but you have to think... If Waston gets possibly charged with violent conduct for that, he could be facing a two-man match ban. The caps should an elbow would be violent conduct. The caps should appeal that red card. If if there is the well, they're only allowed a there. couple, and then this, they this cost them money if they. This one's worth it. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I think. Well, then again, you're dealing with Disco, so. I mean, you know. he's good. He was going to miss this game anyway against LA. He's going to miss Columbus. The one after that's away in RSL. So they may think, oh, well, let's just bite it. Yeah, and you got to think in the long run, is it worth it right now with Henry coming back? Do you want to risk the money and the reviews to have Watson back? If you have three healthy center backs, yeah. you could rotate them in there. So that's also another side of things. Well, that's the other thing now as well. Henry's not good to go on Saturday. We only have two center backs. If anything happens to them during training or during the match, we're screwed. Oh, Juarez could drop in, drop in. Like, he would be the number one, I would think, would come. Wrap him in bubble wrap during yeah. training. Don't don't train this week at all. <laughs> so, it was 1-0 to Atlanta with a penalty. It was hard to see a way back for the for the Caps after that. But I, I just, I had a feeling they might sneak something because Atlanta were missing so many chances. Three, at least, went across the, the goal or just wide of the post. It was crazy. For a team so good, it's shocking how, yeah. f- how bad their and finishing was. And they did that in the, in the first game when they, they got beat against Houston. Yeah. Should Atlanta have gone down to 10, though, in the second half for that second... Should it have been a second booking to Laurentovic? I think in the heat of the moment, I wanted a red card, but I thought back on it. The first yellow was... He was punished for his team's collective fouling on Davies for his yeah, first yellow. but it did look like the ref was going for a card, and they thought, oh, no, wait a minute, I've booked him. Well, if, if, we're, if we're going with this Elfath home bias narrative, then that's very possibly what happened. I did think the second foul was, like... Even by itself, I I would wouldn't really think that would be a yellow card. I don't. He stamped. Him. But he he was looking away, and like the intent wasn't like it would be like a warning, mm. you know. Elfat loves to do that thing where he's like, no more, yes. no more. So it was definitely one of those. <laughs> Soon after that, Atlanta went two up, 
own goal from Aaron Mond. Partly at fault. I mean, the ball came in fast to him. He just it got caught up in his feet. But the whole that whole move, the defending was horrific. Yeah, they the broke, they got, bro- it was a breakdown. Yeah, the ball got played out wide to Atlanta's right, and it, it was just horrible. Yeah, Aaron Mond, tough for him as he was not facing. He was facing the goal when he got the ball in his feet. I think Davies could have also closed down. I think it was Gress a little bit quicker and the ball came in. So a couple of players that maybe could have done a little better. But again, a good ball played in by Atlanta and it was in the back of the net. Then it was 3-0 soon after. I mean, the Caps were pushing. They got countered on the counter. It was a nice finish as well. I mean, Martinez was set through, kind of wrong-footed Marinovic. But again, you leave a guy alone in the box when you don't close in and, and he's able to just yeah, have a free no court, near him. cross right inside the box. But at least they were pushing at yeah. that point. Yeah. They, they weren't giving up for sure. Yeah, I and thought then, the good character showed in the game. Yeah, and they and kept then, pushing after that. And then Reynek hit the post. Yeah. I mean, if that had gone in, F, 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 I know, but if that had gone in and then Hurtado popped the one away, 3-2, and you're thinking, oh, the comeback's yeah. on. But yeah. Reina hadn't done much last week. I wonder if that's lit a fire under him. He got dropped this week. Although Robo would obviously not say he's dropped. It would be a tactical decision. But yeah, yeah. in a in a three five two, there is no space for yeah. That, advance. That's the thing. There's no, well, there's... maybe for Mosquita, but he probably Robo probably wanted them closing down. Yeah, yeah. I think it was Mosquita's defensive play that yeah. got him the nod. Yeah, yeah. But, we talked about this. On, sorry, Steve. I was going to say we talked about this in the on the uh, preview show as well that. With the way Atlanta plays at home and how how fast paced they are, and Whitecaps would have to be in their heels for quite a bit of the game, you could throw Rain on later in the second half to kind of attack and push forward and maybe get something which he did with that post. Um, so I think in that sense it was a, not a bad decision from Marble. I wouldn't mind seeing him coming on later in games, late in the season, away from home. And again, I don't think he did a bad job coming on as a sub. Well, someone that did a great job coming on as a sub was Eric Hurtado. Yeah, great increasing finish. his goals per minute record. He's- he had gold boots on too, I think. Didn't he? Oh, they noticed. looked goldish. I don't know. Maybe they were. They was I kind of switched off. I yeah, I think I wasn't making attention either. <laughs> he was moving so fast I couldn't see his boots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but nice, nice ball forward from Jordan. Much yeah. over the top, unleashed Hurtado. E money buried it. That's the way to play football. Yeah, and I, I think that was <laughs> Vancouver E money. I don't think it was targeted E money or okay. designated yeah. E money. Okay. We're going to have to move some, trade for some gam for his e-money rights and things like that. But I mean, Paul keeps saying, why do you keep Hurtado about? It's because he does stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Is, yeah. He's a oh, good he, third yeah, striker option. He's not the most talented striker we've got. He's be behind Kamara and Blondell, obviously, in the pecking order. But he's pushed himself ahead of Bevan, which yeah. I thought the two of them might have battled it out to, for that spot on the bench. You, you can rely on him. I mean, sometimes his finishing is a little bit off, but he benefits from getting a run in the team. And, and similar to Tyber, he doesn't create a, a, a you know a, a, kick up a fuss. Yeah, kick up a fuss yeah. if he, if he doesn't get a, a time on the on the field. Um, but you're right; he does he, he does those two things, and I that's one reason why I have no problem if they give up Shea down the road uh, because you got a guy like Hurtado who can yeah. stretch the I field. Mean, we'll talk about Shea more in part two. I I I've liked what Shea's done the last. Two I know, weeks, but coming off the bench. But I, I, it, just to make room for other players yeah, to come in at other positions. It all boils down to the salary and everything again. But I mean, that goal just obviously angered Atlanta because then Martinez got his hat trick a few minutes later, four-one final. Do you think it would have been much different if it had been ten or eleven of V eleven? I think so. I definitely think so. Yeah. I think I think there's probably the second. I'm going to say the second and third goals probably might have been different because you don't counter if you're that far behind. 
and the Mond one, maybe Waston's there and he maybe clears it better. I don't Absolutely. know. Absolutely. It would be a so completely different game. You're not stretched out. The fourth one, who knows, and who knows if they even start attacking like and they do with Hurtado. We, if weren't, they don't. we weren't able to provide Blundell with the kind of service that he needs, that we know yeah. he needs. So, like, we weren't able to get wide and send crosses in. Everything was right down the middle because we were so short on numbers. So, like, we didn't get, like, I feel part, I feel sorry for Blundell because he didn't get a chance to shine. And he wasn't able to game. play with Reyna either, who, who really had yeah. good chemistry yeah. in the preseason. But if, with. if Kamara's injury is. Uh, like kind of medium term then yeah. we can see Blundell in the next home game for sure yeah well that's some of our thoughts on the match but we're going to hear the audio now from both head coaches well kind of the audio from both head coaches Tata Martino Atlanta's head coach didn't do anything in English so what I've done is I've kept the couple of questions from the interviewers and basically just the translated answers so you're not actually going to hear from Martino you're just going to hear from from the translator but I didn't think everyone wanted to be sitting through an extra three minutes of Spanish. And then after that, we're going to hear from Robo himself. He's a gaffer. You can try it up with him. He's a gaffer. Even when he's on a limb. He's a gaffer. When his back's against the wall. Has the answer to it all. He's a gaffer. How, how did the Waston red card affect everything tonight? He's huge. Decisive. Any game where there's a player who gets sent off that early, and furthermore on the same play we have a chance to score a goal, um, you know, that's a, it's a before and after in the game. Yeah, and the, and the most important thing I think is, is that the ref made the right decision. Uh, last year you said you weren't a big fan of VAR. Um, do you, I, what is the feeling you have as a, a fan? I mean, I know you're a coach, but. Um, for, for the game to kind of change in such a drastic way in this new new type of way that we're not used to? Yeah, I always say the same thing. I think um, the, the utilization of VAR should be regulated so that they're not looking at, at every play, but only at major decisive plays in the match. So whether it's a goal that, that goes in or doesn't go in, whether it's a penalty uh, given or not given, or something major like that, um, and I'm saying that, you know, even thinking that sometimes it's going to favor us and, and sometimes it's not. But in the goal today, for example, I think I could see from, from my half of the field that, that it was the correct decision. Back to Doug. He's only played uh, 23 league games, but Martinez just needs one more hat trick to tie the all-time league record. I was curious if you imagined him having this type of success when he transferred from Torino here. Yeah, honestly, uh, yes, I thought he'd be a decisive player for us because I had seen him play with Venezuela uh, and played against him and, and seen him play in Copa America. And he was a, a decisive player in Copa America and, and whenever he played for Venezuela. So to be honest, uh, I have to say that, yeah, I thought he would be for, uh, for us as well. The sending off, shocking. Absolutely shocking. Uh, shocking decision. For us to play down uh, or play 11 men against uh, 11 in a lance was very difficult. We knew that. We had a game plan going into the game that was totally affected after five minutes. Uh, I think it took five minutes for the, the referees to try and um, overturn the decision. You know, I get told that it has to be clear and obvious. Uh, clearly it wasn't. Um, and I agree with what most people have told me after the game and I've seen it from my own eyes. So it had a major impact on the game. You know, and unfortunately then it was a pill battle for us and we weren't good enough um, to play 10 men against 11 uh, and credit to them because they scored the goals. But 
you know, it's a massive influence in the game, which was a really, really poor decision. Were you given an explanation on the decision? No, no. Uh, three times I think I've had the same referee, and uh, each time we've gone down to 10 men. So I'm better off not probably talking to him. I'll speak to Howard Webb because uh, there's a number of things that I felt went against us. Uh, you know, even the yellow card situation with one or two of their guys, um, you know, smart tactical decisions, uh, substitutions from them, uh, and credit to them. So uh, I'll speak to him next week, but it's not acceptable. What about the, the play of the 11 that, and the substitutes the that 10. came in? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. They, they didn't give up. You know, it's not easy to come here. You know, they, they had a great result last week. My disappointment was 42,000 coming. They'll be happy that they got the win, of course, three points, but they didn't see a proper game of football. It was affected by someone who didn't need to affect the game. And that's a disappointing thing because we're always trying to grow this game, you know, in, in America and Canada, and it should be about the teams and the players. You know, the boy scores a hat-trick today, and credit to him. Um, but it would be overshadowed by the one decision which was wrong. Uh, yeah. Davies playing, uh, Terrific. Terrific performance from the young boy, really was. I think you see when the young boy here comes on, you know, the the emotions that the fans want to see the young players play. We've been playing our boy for 18 months now. Uh, you want to see that. You know, it's about growth, MLS. It's about developing players. It's about pushing players through. It's about growing the game. That's the disappointing thing about this game today, the result, because it's not growing the game. It's, um, you know, spotlight on someone else. He is the gaffer. You definitely can't try it on with him, especially if you are a very poor pro referee. I would love to hear the conversation between Robbo and Howard Webb. I, I just hope the Whitecaps video it. Can I be a fly on the wall for that oh, conversation? That, that would be amazing to hear. And like Joe said, I, I have a lot of time for Howard Webb, so, I mean, it, it's, it's good. We'll just wrap this section up. Just... <sighs> It's a heavy defeat. First of the season, do you think it plays on the mind at all going into LA or do they just put it behind them and just move on? Different game? No, I don't I don't I don't think so. I think it should be like you know, they take it that they got screwed and they would have played they would have been a different result if they that red card didn't happen. So I think this should be motivation for them to show what they actually can do when they have eleven on on the field. I think Robbo's line will be that was terrible. Let's just for, like let's just forget it ever happened kind of a thing. Um and we'll like we won't be going we won't be using the three five two anytime soon again. You know they can they have no choice. They turn, well, yeah, yeah, they can turn over a new leaf. I think and like on the road, the Caps are still an amazing team. Yeah, this is very much I think an anomaly. And that sense of injustice, actually, like Steve was saying, is can really drive a team forward. Like we hear the great coaches, they instill like a siege mentality. It's kind of us against the world. I think a little bit of that could be healthy for the Caps at this point. Well, let's hope so. So we're going to talk about some of the individual performances from the Whitecaps players against Atlanta and also get your votes for Man of the Match as well. And we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Alfonso Davies and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Who to be a referee? Get him off, get him off! What a whistle and a little dried up pee It's no protection for the things they throw Toilet rolls and puddles every time I blow 
be a referee Number nine, I saw you spit And number three Oh, you kissed him Well, bless my soul You're only supposed to kiss the one who scored a goal Welcome back, you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio. In this part, we're going to look at some of the individual player performances and we've got to kick things off by looking at the defence, especially Jose Aha! How did he look to you? Really good, uh, good on the ball, um, good positionally. Couldn't really, like, you feel bad faulting any player for what happened on, uh, on Saturday. But uh, I think out of... Like this dumpster fire, he was one piece of trash that was not on fire, if that's too harsh to say. He he had a good header in the first half. He was offside, but he got in a good position. That offside was very fun to watch. I know it was against the Whitecaps. It was the one where they all pushed up. Yeah, right? yeah. Like you see that he on was YouTube left from very time much to offside. <laughs> and and, and I, I think it's a good, it's a decent performance considering it's his f- f- debut with the Whitecaps. Um, yeah. playing, starting to play a th- uh, back three and then all yeah. of a sudden having to switch to a back two with a guy who he's never played with. Yeah. Like if he's playing with three guys at the back, you could kind of play off each other. Yeah. But then all of a sudden you're stuck with two and the other guy you haven't played with. It's, Definitely it's, a baptism of fire. Oh, for sure. And he was the ball player of the two center backs. Yeah. So. But yeah. I mean, I'm the, glad the, we have a ball player. Like we yeah. lost Tim Parker who was okay with the ball at his feet. So it was good, important to replace By that. By okay, do you mean not very good? I thought he was fine. Like his, his he had, distribution was I thought, his, his distribution I thought was better. His distribution with his right foot with the ball on the ground, it was okay. Everything else was meh. Big punt forward, really. You learned that from Waston, sure. Yeah, probably. It it looks like Mondanaha for the next couple of games, at least, with with Henry still out. Do you feel it's a chance for one of them to state the claim to then be Waston's partner, or do you think that role's going to go to Henry when when he's fully fit? I think for right now, I I would stick with Aaron Mond until we see maybe Henry for a game that Wander Aha are unavailable to play alongside Waston. Again, I think it's Mond's spot to lose. The way Aha played yesterday, yeah, that, that definitely plays into the factor, but it'd be hard to give up when Mon has through the preseason and in the first two games of the year with Waston as well. I'm going to disagree slightly. I think Aha, if he plays well, he could be the person that slots in beside Waston. It's 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 an open position right now yeah. between three players. Yeah. I, I, like, I, I, don't I think Aha could do it as well. But the thing is, like Henry, when he was interviewed by our good friend Harjit Jahal earlier in the season, said, I, I've come here to be a starter. But How happy is he going to be if he isn't then the start? No, I, but he has I, to earn the place like well, yeah. everyone else. Yeah, and I think it's going to be, I think Mond is like fourth on the depth chart. I think he's playing right now because he has to. Um, yeah. And I think, uh, uh, I, I thought you were going to say Aha. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, but I think I think it's, I think think it's it will be between Aha and uh, Henry when Henry's fully fit. And I don't think that's going to happen too quickly. Uh, even when he comes back from this uh, injury, uh, the the pull, a hamstring pull, I think it's still going to take him some time to get in fitness. But Mond has had one bad game in a very tough game. You know, I'm, he's I'm, I'm, okay. a, I'm talking about his overall skill yeah. set. Uh, he was not very highly uh, on the depth chart last year with the Whitecaps when he came over. He was a he, starter with RSL. It, it wasn't, no, not that year. Not with the year he came last year. Yeah. But he, uh, So I think he's fallen off a little bit. So yeah. I would say just based on, on paper, yeah, I would say it's uh, 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 Henry and Aha battling out for that spot. Aha, uh, Mond is probably well back. But it's about who can complement Waston the best. Yes. And, and I think Aha, I think Aha yeah. yeah. is the one that complements. I, I Waston think Aha will be hunting high and low for that starting spot. Another plus is that Aha also speaks Spanish, so that plays into the hands of Waston. True. 
between much and a how, we're going to have a terrible... We should have a drinking game that if you <laughs> use a pun... Pun crazy. <laughs> Alfonso Davies. Can't do too many puns about him. Unless we just go on about the Fawns and he was playing it cool. But he did play it cool again <laughs> because he put in another good performance. It, it kind of mishmash of positions. He was a wing back. He was a left back. All over the pitch in a good way. Nice dribble work as the Caps highlighted on Twitter this morning. If he is going to be asked to play a kind of defensive role for the next little bit, do you have any concerns that he can play solid defensively for 90 minutes? Because I have a few concerns that he can. I think concentration is definitely an issue for an inexperienced defensive player. Um, even with experienced defensive players, as we've seen before without calling any names. Um, I, but I've seen, like, I haven't seen too much like wrong from him. There was one of the goals we talked about earlier that he, he got burned, but um i defensively i think he's like he's strong he's fast the amount of times that he nipped in and like got the ball away from one of the atlanta players and then actually went on a dribble um was it was like probably the whitecaps best route forward even so like as as an option there i think it's fantastic but i do want to see him further forward like his attacking skill is arguably one of the best in the team and we need to be able to use him like that so i think when dion comes back davies will move forward to that left wing position hopefully yeah, for me, I think it's hard for a young player that's normally attacking-minded to stay back in a left-back position or left-wing-back position. If if you see field ahead of you, it's hard to, to stay back. You want to take the ball and run into that space, and I think Davies does that perfectly, but he just needs to choose his moments and not always want to bomb forward with the ball and leave that uh, left-back, wing-back position open, if you will. In the midfield, Effie Juarez seemed to be losing the plot a little bit. I was kind of amazed he, he stayed on the pitch as, as long as he did. He's an experienced guy that you're expecting to, to show a calm head when situations like this are playing out, but he he just seemed to lose it with Elfath. Yeah, um, I agree with you there. But I, I, I think they, they probably expected that with him. They probably know that he has a fiery disposition on the field. Uh, but I agree with you that the, he needs to curtail it. Well, obviously, Waston lost it <laughs> when he got shown the red card. Um, and I, I was worried there that I was worried that's the reason why maybe he gets suspended because he was so demonstrative well, yeah, he, at the referee. First of all, he was applauding because I think he thought Perez had something had happened. Oh, I, I, th- I thought it was just a, I think he thought it was just a penalty. And he was but when he was when, when he was shown, yeah, when yeah. he was shown the red card, that's when he lost it. Yeah. So Dempsey uh, did that too, which is weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dempsey always claps in the red. Well, Dempsey or rips their or rips their notebook. Yeah. Yeah. Throws it at them. One of my favorite U.S. Open Cup moments. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, Juarez, I, I I like what he's bringing, but just needs a little bit more calmness. I mean, he already got booked in the early on in the first game of the year, yeah. and we're concerned about that. Felipe afterwards seemed to draw a lot of ire from the Atlanta players. They were making comments that Felipe was challenging them to fight and that they all know what he's like. He's been like this for years. He apparently gave think, a little kick on Nagby. I think he was just maybe trying to get them to respond and maybe get one of them sent off. Because I, that, I, I haven't seen that of Felipe when he, they're winning. Yeah. So when they're behind, I think he tries to get an advantage I, and I try like to do that, that kind of stuff. I think the team need that, really. Yeah. Yeah. A bit of kick, yeah. literally. Uh, he was given the captain's armband too, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah that was strange. I was actually looking at the lineup uh, when when they were passing the armband around because I think at first it went to Juarez and then when Juarez got subbed off or something, it went to Felipe. Yeah. I, think that, that, I think that's what happened. Um, like, give, give Juarez the armband. It's got calming influence <laughs> in it. <laughs> it had a calming influence the lavender Waston. inside it. It worked on Waston <laughs> last yeah, year. Yeah. But I was actually thinking through like, okay, he's a brand new signing, Juarez and Felipe. Like who would actually get the armband, right? Like Nerwinski's 
kind of young. Too young, yeah. Davies is kind Way of have a beer. Yeah. Like Marinovich, maybe, but no, he's not the most yeah. vocal. Hurtado would have been the person to take it if he came on. He's been with the oh, team the longest. Been in meltdown. Even yeah, it's much. The, the, he's new. Mond is yeah. basically new. The, you know, the, the, there was there was a, so there's some national teams that decide the captain by who has the most caps. Like that's yeah. the only yeah. parameter I, I, to it. Experience for me does have it, and like we're talking about much there. I, I loved him shoving, shoving Nagby over the barrier, just giving Nagby what he deserves. Who, who hasn't wanted to, to shove Nagby over a barrier playing for Portland over the years? Well, I think the initial people that uh, were in the part of that draft that first year, that yeah. they want, they want, definitely want to shove Nagby <laughs> over. Uh, but yeah, I, much, I, I found it, there were some people on Twitter, though, on, on social media that didn't like what much offered. And then these, they, they thought he wasn't doing very doing anything on the he field. He got man of the match as well. So desperate not to say much every time because it's hard <laughs> to not say. Uh, but yeah, but I know I know that. But there were some people that didn't find he did anything on the field, which his, was surprising. His distribution to me. was okay. Was he yeah. man of the match for you? <laughs> <laughs> I would have given it to Felipe if we're going by the you know legal drinking age man of the match <laughs> rules, which really annoys me. But uh, yeah, I think like he does a lot of kind of unsung hero kind of work closing down and things like that and uh just to go back to the push on nagby like that's a little bit of experience showing because he did enough that it wasn't something more serious and then like he got away with kind of he was quite far away from the barrier when he did it yeah it was a, it was yeah. a long push yeah <laughs> but we like again the caps need a bit of that yeah, i don't think I he, want some he didn't bite. i want some fire he didn't convince me that he should be starting in the midfield at all but you know another option to have and it it seems that the finances for the deal are very positive for the Whitecaps too. So, good, good all around. I think if we didn't have players like that, we'd have nothing to talk about. And <laughs> actually, talking about that, we we got a a tweet from Angus Walker, who said he was worried that VAR might ruin football. One thing that makes this game great is that we can write pages of reports and record hours of podcasts discussing game changing decisions that made our team team win or lose. If decisions were right, we'd have nothing to discuss. Yeah, I, I personally, I, I know that people are are on top of VAR. I don't think it was a VAR issue. I think it was a referee issue. Oh yeah. I don't think. I think. I think whatever the call is, like again, I think it was a, probably a penalty, but I do not think it was a sending off, mm-hmm. and I think that was way overboard on that on that call. That seems to be the reaction across the world, though. It's the, the system yeah. seems to be okay. It's just the implementation has been very yeah. poor. I, I like when they're delivering the verdict here. They do it well. It's like it's clear they do the yeah. little TV sign yeah. in England. It's like you've no idea. Yeah, but they're, they're, the commentators don't. They do mm-hmm. the TV sign, and then the commentators are like, "Oh, I think they're going to go to VAR." It's like yeah. it's they must use this. Is this the VAR symbol in? Uh, yeah. in <laughs> they they Double need. VAR sometimes. They, they, they need to have the fans in the stadium and the people watching on TV as part of the process. In rugby, they well, do it really they, well. They do in Orlando because it's yeah. right behind the screen. Yeah, in rugby, it's fantastic because you hear the referee talking all the time. Yeah, all exactly. The which is rugby great. rugby players respect the officials oh, way yeah. more. The way culture more. in rugby is, is should be... I, I would yeah. be a big fan if it was implemented. They batter the crap out of each other, but the referee says no and they go, okay. Yeah, and, then, and actually only the captain's allowed to speak to the referee yeah. according to the rules. So if, you, it, if yeah, you try I, and convince I'd the referee... I'd be all for that in, that's, in football. I think that's in hockey too and most sports that you have the captain... It seems like the only time the referee is surrounded is in soccer, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. and they, like, they try every season, they try and bring in a new rule saying your team gets fined if you 
surround the referee. Oh yeah, mass and it, confrontation. It, it yeah. might last three games and it's back to normal. Yeah. The same with diving and things like that. Like maybe they shouldn't do the team. Maybe the eleven players get an equal fine and they have to split it amongst themselves. <laughs> they have to raise the money amongst because maybe, yeah. maybe the players based, based on salary. Maybe the players aren't going to care because they the uh, the team gets fined, so what, the money's not out of their. Well, the pocket. club has the power to find the players oh, if yeah, they break, breach Good conduct, point. and yeah. it's it's it is in terms of how much you make. Yeah. It's yeah. not in terms of like a a, a set amount. Now, last thing about midfield. I know it's maybe harsh to judge him. He only played 45 minutes, but Mosquita for me was invisible. Yeah. What, what did you make? Can you take anything from that performance? I think he, we've seen it too many times with Mosquita for it to be a coincidence that um, he just doesn't have an impact on games. And unfortunately for him, he does have an impact on games when he comes on late. So like I think his role is pretty clearly defined. This might have been a chance for him to, you know, Robbo gives, Robbo gives chances to players, but I don't think he took this one very well. I think Mosquito deserves the Swiss Army knife for the cap sword uh, for the, his time with, with Vancouver. And that's not a, a knock on him. He's a fantastic player. And I think just sometimes if we don't have the right players available that he's put in a position where he's not exactly going to thrill or excite because he's a player that's known as an attack midfield, but he played more of kind of a second striker, kind of supporting Blondell. And that's not really a role that I feel like suits him. He's a, a great player all around, but I, I think for right now he's a, more of an attacking midfielder and should stay there rather than move around and, and kind of take away from his tendencies. Talking of Blondell, what do you feel he brought in his first start? Nearly got an own goal in the first half. Kamara's groin injury is a worry. You don't know how long it's going to last, but I liked what he did when he came on as a sub against Houston. He was okay. Didn't get a lot of service, that's but the, he holds the ball the big, up well. That's the big issue, not, not enough service. And I... The game that was filmed, like from like two blocks away, the one against the LAFC, yeah. um, you saw that he once he holds up the ball, he's very well, good. Well, we at distributing. saw a little small figure, yeah, a figure think that we think is Blundell, um, but he he looked like he could hold up the ball and he could distribute it. Now, once they play eleven on eleven for a full match, we'll see what he can do. That's the big uh, key going forward. Yeah, because you saw normally when Blundell got the ball on the game against Atlanta that. There wasn't a whole lot around him because of the fact they were down to 10 men. As Steve said, I think it would be interesting when they have, say, Reyna or somebody else out there that's a little bit more advanced, like Felipe, that could be there right when he gets the ball. That's another thing that we're looking to look forward to. He, he's got the power. There's a couple of times he got the ball, turned his man, and then kind of powered forward, but the guy closed him down quickly. But I, I like that. Yeah, it was his lack of pace, I think, that got him yeah. got him uh, like subbed off. Uh, I think stylistically, it's good that we have two similar kinds of strikers. Um I think the game plan would have really suited Blondell it should, had the cap stayed with 11 men because those wingbacks could have gotten forward and sent crosses in and things like that. Um, so I, I think it's too early to judge Blondell. And I'm looking forward to actually seeing more of him because I, I haven't seen too much yeah. negative. And he, he, like, he almost got no goal, but that can also be translated as he was back there trying to get in front of the ball. True. Now, I, now, obviously, the subs came on. Yeah. Now, one guy, if they were going to play this kind of thing, who might have been a better start starter option, would have been Hurtado, possibly, to begin the match. and maybe Because he would have been put pressure on that back three right off the bat. Because they knew they weren't going to be uh, playing the ball and working it up and throwing it into uh, yeah. Blundell. So maybe Hurtado... I, I think Blundell's performance last week did it. Plus, Eric's still well, coming back from an injury. I'm, He's I'm, not fully up okay. to match that, fitness. That's, that makes a difference, though. But I think that if if everything's fit and everything... I, I'm not even saying what Blundell can... I think tactically, it would have been better to have Hurtado mm. on the But team. Hurtado would have closed down and then Atlanta would have passed around him, right? If Blundell oh, was that. more positionally disciplined, he could be a cover instead but, of a... But if they could playing hoofball, then you know, want Hurtado yeah, out there instead true. of Blondell. Well, Kamara can do all that stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, but we talked about Reyna. Briefly, we talked about Shea. I, I do like what he brings. Me too. As a, as yeah. 
like okay, his salary is one thing. We've talked yeah. to, to Kauska. I'm home trying about to that. forget about his salary. Yeah, if you if you kind of disregard that for a second, he's a good option. And like if he keeps playing like he's playing, who knows? There might be some interest from a no team. No way, we don't want to talk about Shea's salary. We're going to perk Zach's ears up, he's, even, <laughs> even though he's in Alberta. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> asleep just now in Calgary, and he's like, what? What? Yeah. <laughs> Someone's disgusting. Front office. Front office. <laughs> who was your man of the match? Davies. Yeah, I, I think Davies too. I would give it to Davies as well. Okay, I'll go for Jordan Much. No, I'll go for <laughs> Davies just to, to be that. Of course, we, we did our usual Twitter poll. Very difficult this week trying to rank 14 players. But we did rank them. Yeah, uh, let me bring up the, the rankings. Obviously, we asked everybody to uh, weigh in. And rank it. And, and I it know is a tough week. It was going to be. It was actually. I think in, on, in this case, you would actually probably uh, start from the bottom and, and <laughs> rank the worst players. Uh, that's the suggestion I have. That's the, exactly what I did. Yeah. And, and then it, and I then got to left. about 11 and I was like, I have no idea how to go from 11 to up to 2, really. Well, Mesquite, I couldn't think of a thing he did. It's happened a couple of times when we've done this rankings. So uh, we had people uh, rank in now. Um, the top five, we'll go with the top five that were in the air. Uh, yes, Alfonso Davies, number one. Everybody agreed with that. That's not surprising. Well, everybody, but some people, most people agreed with that. Um, Eric Hurtado, number two. Oh. Jordan Much, I think because of the goal. Yeah. That makes it sometimes obvious for people to hit Eric Hurtado, number two. Um, Jordan Much, got, uh, uh, third. Felipe, fourth. And Jake Nowitzki, fifth. Okay. And uh, there were some f- first place votes, oh, oh, like... Alfonso didn't get unanimous first place. It was Hurtado got a couple, Much got a couple, Nowitzki got one, Breck Shea got one, hmm. uh, Juarez got one. So that was interesting to see Juarez getting one. But um, maybe definitely. maybe they liked how much he was uh, just his his talking to Elfeth just yeah. nonstop. The bottom three, uh, Kendall Waston was at the bottom. Oh. I think because of the fact that he got the red cards because. But can you? How can you blame him for that? I think people just put him at the bottom because really? he only played ten minutes. I think he should like, be at the top because he didn't put a foot wrong. Yordi <laughs> <laughs> um, Reina second from the bottom, and but the bottom Nicholas, uh, the one started the most, played the most Nicholas Mosquito. Okay, like we talked about him being invisible. Wait, Reina was second from the bottom. Second from the bottom, and that that, that was surprising for me. Like he had a big moment going. Yeah, forward, right? I I don't know. It's second, uh, I, I thought Aaron Mond would be in the bottom three. And he is like bottom, uh, the fourth from the yeah. bottom. So, but Mont, it's hard to. Oh no, I know, that. but somebody's got to be at the bottom, right? Who, who would sure. your, who would your bottom three be then? If it was, um, uh, that's actually yeah. Now you say that, that's tough. Um, I guess well, I don't know. Putting Watson there seems really harsh, but I guess he did contribute the least to the team. Well, just based on minutes. Oh, right? Mosquito would be dead bottom for me. Yeah, unfortunately, like I hate, I like the guy, but um. Yeah, it's a tough one. Uh, the thing is, it wasn't like like we talked about. It, it wasn't a, a horrendous game. Nobody played horrible. Yeah, but there it, well, were some invisible. Yeah. There was the a lot of a lot off. of players that you wanted more from. Yeah, exactly. Right? Not that they did anything wrong. You just wanted them to have a bigger impact. Gideon, who who's, who would you say with bottom three? Bottom three minutes played. No, bottom three just who? and in general. Okay, yeah. um, I think I go with Mesquita, uh, third or like sorry at the very last, um, probably. Then I. Maybe go with Waston just because, again, it's hard for him to get a, a red card. Yeah, you can't really blame him. But, again, maybe sometimes he, he gets his foot wrong uh, with when it comes to fouling. And then 
probably maybe above that, I would probably uh, put Efrenoares, I think. Anyways, it's just my opinion, but um, I just think you didn't see enough from him in that game, especially when it went right after Alphath. There was scary moments for sure there. Yeah, he could have gotten sent off so easily. Like, he was constantly bickering at uh, at Alphath. Now that we talked about the, the you know, the Whitecaps, let's go over some of the other games okay. that occurred in MLS. Um, and we'll go over this quickly because we got a lot more stuff to uh, look at. Uh, first game, uh, Houston draw D, uh, against DC. This was like obviously at the at the at the at the whistle um, at, at the death that the, they got the draw. Ninety seventh minute. Yeah, yeah. It, it was uh, it was a weird game because it was out. Obviously, it was like five thousand. I think this the yeah. because Ma- Maryland Soccerplex. Yeah, I think I think the Vancouver was well, the Whitecaps have played there once, if I'm not mistaken. Right, way back when the but Baltimore. When, yeah, Baltimore. So I can't Possibly. remember. Yeah. Um, but uh, the, it was it was two two, um, like we, it was snowing, so you didn't expect very much from Houston because that's out of their comfort zone no. for sure. Two goals in two minutes, though, about the half hour mark. Albert Ellis again, complete breakdowns. Myro Manotis, <laughs> yeah. Matix pulled one back five minutes into the second half. That was a nice goal as well. I don't nice know if you watched control. that. Good cut back, and it was yeah. a wonderful finish. And then for some reason, VAR reviewed it. I'm not quite sure. I think they why. they thought uh, Maddox controlled the ball with his hand, but there was ah. no way it was. Yeah, it was all all his chest. I, I feel bad for Elstead because Elstead was real. Uh, those two goals that Houston scored just like left him out in the lurch. I think every time Maddox scores a goal, they should review it just in case. <laughs> it's like, he scored, that can't be right. I, I turned to zone on right 30 seconds before Maddox scored, <laughs> and then I turned to the RS, or the, uh, the other game that was on the Philadelphia-Columbus game. Demarcus Beasley, after the match, said that the conditions at the stadium were unacceptable for a professional football match. Yeah. It's so probably it, the turf. It was a good old-fashioned non-league venue. But it was a turf, I think. The turf was probably horrendous. And there was families having picnics behind the away goal. I love, <laughs> love the folks standing. Yeah. That's but what football It, it seemed be. like that's real, like, like supporters. Proper non-league yeah. football. <laughs> yeah. There was, like, a family sitting in a row and then with blankets on the grass yeah. behind the field. Yeah. Minnesota won again. 2-1 over Chicago. Back-to-back wins for the Loons. They're looking at a much different team this year mm. to, to last year. I know it's early days, but... Ethan Findlay playing a huge part in the yeah. Yeah. early season run. It was, I mean, it was one all half-time. Then my fellow Scott, Sam Nicholson, with a winner from a header. Obviously, I'll get a chat with him at some point this year. <laughs> Chicago's defence looks poor. Dean dropped. We talked about last week he was responsible, maybe, or had a hand in two of the goals. He was dropped. And they still didn't make a difference. Yeah, the defence just looked woeful. I mean, they've got some good attacking pieces, but they're going to struggle if they do not get that defence fixed. And Schweinsteiger had a baby boy today. Oh. oh. yeah. No, too bad he's not going to win the World Cup in Chicago. Oh, <laughs> oh, the baby will oh, be yeah. US men's national they, team eligible. Well, yeah. um, uh, Kansas City, uh, San Jose Sporting, Kansas City, 3-2. Uh, yeah, game. oh, that, this seemed like a really entertaining game. SKC oh. had the 4-3 last week too, right? Yeah. Oh, it's entertainment for yeah. sporting Kansas City. And they're the they, anti-Whitecaps. Their attack <laughs> looks really good. Yeah. Um, Johnny Russell, yeah. luckily he didn't break a neck. Another Scott. He didn't break his neck though on that no. flip. Tarbell didn't even get a booking for that. Surely <laughs> that was a booking. He brought him down for the penalty. Rio Coker didn't Russell get a booking nearly, when he flipped that guy. Uh, <laughs> Russell nearly broke his neck. I think it's just... He managed. It was like a wrestling fall. Yeah, <laughs> no, nothing that he wouldn't be used to playing in Scotland. Well, he was in ah, Derby true. before, right? Derby. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Zussi scored a beauty from twenty yards out, and the commentator screamed, "Zussi for president!" There must be something to going on locally with that. I'm not sure. Probably. I, that was just, That's my guess. That was just bizarre. Um, but then, then, but Wando, then, Wanda Laskley has a nice goal. That was a nice finish. Yeah. One three five, yeah. second highest scorer in MLS history. 
Um, then we go to uh, Tinto Stadium. Parker made his debut with the Red Bulls. Well, his MLS debut. Oh, MLS debut. Yes, sorry. Um, they went didn't... five four one according yeah. to the MLS lineup, which I don't trust that lineup at all. I don't know. There was five <laughs> defenders listed. Oh, was there? That's just a bizarre lineup to go against maybe, a really crappy team like so maybe because they knew they the were road. tired or something like that uh, and maybe. they had to sit back or whatever but goal came in the fourth minute and albert ruznak penalty yeah, that was a far yeah because because yeah. it, it, initially Ted. it was going to be a free kick just outside yeah, the box he gave it outside, yeah. and then they reviewed it it turned out to be a penalty red bulls dominated possession mando four saves Two of them but, are good. Two are but they, but the pass the shots were very near him. Remember what uh, Marius Rodas yes. said? You have to hit the posts on him. You yep. have to score he wide because anything near him, he's not gonna he's gonna get to it. RSL did not look good at all. No. Last couple of minutes had a couple of chances, but right now and again early days, they're they're not looking like challenging us for a playoff spot. So that's good. You want as few teams that's gonna look like that. Yeah. If Minnesota's starting to get wins, a little bit worrying. That's temporary too. Dallas and Seattle. Now, we've talked about our good friend Dempsey. Sometimes the L and the I are a little bit too close together when I type it. Sent off. VAR review for violent conduct. 37th minute. Seemed to whack Jackery Hayes in the balls. <laughs> that was that was no, pretty clear. Did. That would did you yeah. If you I, saw I've the review seen from a behind brief gif of it, so that's why I'm saying seems to No, it was a it no, was a downward if, striking motion. If you basically. saw the camera angle from behind their backs, you could see him clearly going right for it. You guys know who uh, Pierre Luigi Colina is? The, oh yeah, yeah the referee. Bold ref. Yeah, he he. Uh, I think he wrote a book, and in in the book he said you can tell if a player means to hit someone by looking at their fist. If their fist is clenched, it's intentional. If the fist is like loose, their fingers are loose, it's not intentional. Clint Dempsey's fist was very much clenched in that in that yeah. uh, in that oh, sequence. Sure. Yeah. yeah, you've heard it here first. Clint Dempsey likes fisting. <laughs> No, but the thing is, uh, I thought I thought you were going to say that that referee, he, it happened to him, and that's why his eyes bulge out. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's why he lost his hair. He was a no nonsense referee. Oh, he, was sure. he, was he was one of my favorites. Yeah, I one loved him as a ref. He was so popular. He had like a, a sponsorship deal with the, like a watch company and stuff like that. We had a big bald ref in Scotland as well. I can't remember his name. I interviewed him for our fanzine once because he always seemed to give penalties against us. But <laughs> He, he was he was good. Fun. What's what's Scottish for is Israel Elf? <laughs> Someone was asking me what a good Scottish derogatory term for a referee was, so I couldn't think of one. So if you can think of any Irish ones, we'll, uh, we'll think of those. Maybe next week. Uh, but I mean, Dallas ran out easy winners in the end, three 0 and a second from Lamar in the in the second half. Yeah, I'm looking good for Seattle. No, Dallas. They though. were missing. Key players, like yeah. a lot of key players, to be fair. And they'll just go and sign guys. You know them. Yeah. Jordan Morris is out for the season, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. So. And we don't normally talk about the games in the East because we're short of time. But I have to talk very briefly. Montreal beating TFC. Always nice to see TFC lose. The Always five, sad seven, to see Montreal 5-3-2 five, five, Darby. Did you see... What, what's, the, what's it? 4 one 4 one did you see the field at Commonwealth? Yes. Or sorry, not Commonwealth, oh, the, Olympic Stadium. Yeah, yeah. Looked that like four squares it. everywhere. Yeah. That looked like fun. <laughs> Was it's it's called the 401 Derby, but I know because the, the highway. But the highway doesn't go through much. I know that doesn't make sense. That's yeah. why that's why I was making fun of it. Oh. But um, the funny thing is, is the uh, I was surprised that they started so many of their starters, considering they just came off that win against Mex uh, the Mexico, whatever that Mexican team was. <laughs> um, but uh, Tigres. Uh, Tigres, that Chinese um, team, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, the uh, Chinese club. Um, uh, but that was surprising that they because 
Altidore, by the end of the game, seems totally out of it. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm surprised they used their depth there. Well, he nearly got equalized. Yeah, Petrasco's yeah. cleared yeah, off the line. I'm sure he interviewed after that game. Oh, probably, yeah. He'd have been in a good mood then. But anyway, that was a quick roundup of the MLS this weekend. We'll be back with our big TSS roster reveal after this. Hi, I'm Jordan Much, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Pink Floyd there. It's a good time of night for some Pink Floyd. Keep talking. It was actually, uh, they had took a sample of Stephen Hawking and they put it in that song. Um, so, and he obviously passed away this this year, uh, this week, sorry. Yes. Um, so well, dedication he's still right, to him. he was this year. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> this week, uh, so dedication to him. Yeah. I, he did sad. something for sure. My that wife was us. quite upset with that. She, she I don't, I don't know exactly. Much. Like, I know he, you know, black holes and stuff like that. But I'm, I, no, I don't. He know was exactly. influential, Steve. I know he was. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great in the Big Bang Theory as well. Oh, for sure. Oh, he, hilarious in there. Yeah. Anyway, this is the part of the show I'm sure lots of you have been waiting for. Some of you probably won't be, but you've got it anyway. We're going to reveal. For the very first time, 18 players on the 2018 TSS Rovers roster. With more to come? Yep, they're hoping to have about 26 on the roster overall. So I got a chance to sit down with Will Cromack and Colin Elms. So let's get to business right away. So we're joined on the phone now by Colin Elms and Will Cromack from TSS Rovers. Looking forward to a new season that's about to get underway in a a few weeks. And we've got an exciting roster announcement. We're going to reveal the the first 18 names on the, the 2018 TSS Rovers roster this evening. Thanks for joining us on the show, guys. Thanks for having us, Mike. That's great to be here. So we'll kick things off with... Just the the big news that everyone's been waiting for. Some of the the other teams in the the PDL Northwest have already announced their players, but we'll do that tonight on the show. Eighteen players we can reveal so far. Eight of them are returning, and but we'll look at them first. And big one to kick off with is you've got Andrew Hicks back in goal. Yeah, Andrew. Um, you know, clearly came into our environment last year uh, at, at the starting line as our number two. Uh, and uh, when our number one uh, goalkeeper uh, uh, unfortunately got a, a, a little rash of injuries and then decided that he needed to withdraw himself, Andrew got, got thrown into the number one position and, uh, as we all know, um, was probably by far our most uh, consistent player uh, over the course of the season and was the runaway winner of our, of our player of the year. And so we're, we're pretty happy that, uh, that we, we were hoping, as with all these guys, that Andrew was going to find his way into uh, some sort of uh, pay, paid position in our game. Uh, and I know he tried, uh, but uh, at the moment, uh, he's avail- 
ready to uh, to play uh, for for TSS uh, Rovers here for for the spring summer. So we're we're pretty excited about having him back. And another pair of returnees. We'll mention both of them together. The Pelisi brothers are back. Marcello and Matteo played last year after TSS Rovers together up at SFU. Been playing in VMSL with Reno's Tigers. Made the Imperial Cup final yesterday. You must be excited to have the, the pair of them back. Yeah, no, the Sicilian brothers. The brothers have been uh, really great since the day we we got them. They came out last year. Good attitude. It was it was. Um, it's difficult to have Marcelo on the side for the very start of the year. He came on, obviously a class player, and in the sense of what we're able to get our hands on and um, and put into the lineup. And these guys are, you know, they're right exactly into the the culture that we want to create is a springboard to get to the next level. They're very very hungry to become professional soccer players. They want to learn. What we look for in players is always guys who want to. You know, come in and, and get something from the environment, get something from the players they're with. But, um, you know, they both have character as well. I mean, I think when we first um, saw them, everybody was getting used to each other. We didn't know everybody uh, in our environment altogether ourselves. First year, jitters, and this year, you know, as the year went on, they start to, started to own the culture of training, which is, um, you know, really important when you, when you Colin and I are wanting to, um, you know, have people accountable to each other, not just to the organization or to themselves, but each other so these guys are going to be um, integral parts going forward and we look forward to not seeing them next year yeah yeah I, I think with the CPL doing next year a few of these guys we, we hopefully will will see plying their trade in, in some of these teams the, the other five guys that are coming back I'll just list them off all together Janko Vong Eric de Graaf Daniel Davidson Zach Verhoeven and Alejandro Verrea what was it about these guys, or any of them in particular, that, that made you want to bring them back for another look this year? We'll start with, uh, with, with, with Eric. You know, clearly, uh, as our season unfolded last year, it became very apparent uh, through injuries that, that we were very thin uh, in the players that were going to play behind the ball for us. And you know, We had Eric uh, come and join us, not for the first two games, but after that, and then he got a season-long injury quite, quite quickly. And, I think Eric uh, would have made a massive difference uh, for us last year if he, if he remained un- uninjured. And so uh, I've been watching uh, the University of Portland on the stream whenever I can. And you know, Eric was, uh, again, another integral part of the starting 11 of the player group in that mix uh, consistently. So um, a very uh, attack-minded fullback that gets himself uh, forward uh, without invitation on a regular basis. And so we're, we're super excited about, about having him back in. Uh, Janko was our was pretty well outside of Hickby, our Ironman last year. Um, got hurt in, in, at the end of the season, unfortunately, but had played pretty well every minute of every game. Young guy had just turned 19 uh, just as our season got underway. Uh, had certainly some moments of being 19. Uh, but also had some, some moments where he played like a like a 25 year old for us, and he uh, um, well, clearly uh, was somebody that was on our list uh, right away here as we were putting the group back together. So we're happy to have him back. Uh, Ali, Ali is a uh, we'll call it uh, as a Canadian 
soccer player, even though he's from Colombia originally. He is, he's the master of the dark arts. <laughs> And, and brings a, a certain element to our team uh, that, unfortunately, us kind and, and peaceful and nice and compassionate Canadians don't have. Ali knows how to win. Ali knows how to do things to make sure that you win. Um, Ali knows how to hide things <laughs> that help you to win. And, uh, you know, what he maybe makes up for in, uh, in, in, in some of his, uh, his skill set is, is having that ability to solve problems. And, uh, and so we're excited about, about having him, him back in, in our mix here. He's, gonna, he's just going to harden the culture for us, I think. Um, Daniel Davidson, what can you say, right? Uh, when we brought him in last year, you know, we were talking to some other guys that, that, that came in before him. We said, what is it about this guy? Um, and they said, he just scores goals. Right? And frankly, that's kind of what Danny did, right? And a whole bunch of his goals were, were pretty... Uh, uh, greasy, uh, you know, bounce balls bouncing in off rear ends and kneecaps and stuff like that. Um, there were one or two that were pretty special, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, Dan Dan was our golden boot winner last year. And the reality is, is how can you not have somebody back that uh, that, that has uh, um, put himself into that sort of position uh, over the course of the season? Uh, Zach, you're holding. <laughs> another another 18 gone on 19 player who uh, has to start to understand and uh, respect the level of ability he has inside his body. Um, Zach has has the amazing ability to turn a game in a second. Um, uh, he needs to do that more often for us, and he also has some responsibilities off the ball that he needs to polish up. So Willie and I uh, had a nice, frank discussion with Zach and what he needs to do to, to be successful. Uh, like all these other guys, he, in his own way, badly, badly wants to become a professional footballer. And we said to him, well, these are four or five things that, that you need to be better at, not just for TSS Rovers, but, but for you, uh, to allow you to be a, a, a person that's going to be standing at the doorstep when this new league starts up. And you know what? Outside of Hixie, the first person that our that our our little fan base of Swan Guardians ask about is Zach. You know, is Zach coming back? And yeah, Zach's going to be back in in his number six jersey again. Uh, hopefully, uh, tearing up and down the flank and causing all sorts of problems to our opponents on a on a weekly basis. Well, I, I like you describing Ali as the master of the dark arts. Obviously, there's no VAR in PDL, so that should be quite good and that no controversies going on there. So let's look at the 10 new faces on the squad now. Well, I say new faces, they're new to TSS Rovers. Anyone that's watched Whitecaps Residency, local college soccer, local VMSL soccer, are going to know a lot of these guys and a lot of these names. There's a few Whitecaps Residency alumni on that. I'm going to kick off by talking about four of them. Perhaps the the biggest name of is Thomas Gardner, guy that had been with the Whitecaps residency program since I think he was eight years old, signed a deal with WFC2, didn't want to head down to Fresno, decided to head to UBC Thunderbirds, get an education, worked great for the Thunderbirds, worked great for yourselves. You've now got Thomas Gardner as a TSS rover. Yep, I would say uh, that that was one of the coups for our... Um little club you know and the, the, the point of um a lot of these things now it's just to say a word you know we we were starting out last year 
everything was new for us, uh, certainly new for a lot of the players in, in that sense, uh, going on the road, doing all these things that uh, uh, happen in the PDL. And when you, you know, when we began to ask the players to, to join our club, one of the first things we did was ask them if they actually, you know, wanted to be a professional. Um, how desperate were they? And we wanted to listen in. Certainly, almost everybody would respond yes, but then it was very apparent over the next 10 minutes, whether that was over a coffee or a Skype or a phone call, um, who really actually desperately wanted to be a professional. And it was very easy to tell on uh, some of these guys. I mean, you'll, you'll notice if you look at all the ages, we've got quite a young team again. Uh, important for us to have guys, um, if we had a choice between a 23-year-old that said, yeah, I want to be one, and a, and a 19-year-old, I want to be a pro, uh, we would judge it on the desperation and, and sort of what we felt was the hunger level. Um, and most definitely a guy like Thomas who's saying, okay, yeah, I've got to make a decision here going to Fresno or, or start a new path. I certainly want to be safe um, and, and get an education, but I know I'm going to be a pro. Like, that's, that's my game. So really good to have a guy like him, hungry Vancouver guy, understands the whole scene, uh, respects Swangard, loves the fact that we're at Swangard, and really not one person we talked to who couldn't say uh, wonderful things about him. So really excited about having him. Yeah, I, I've been a, a big fan of Thomas Gardner's for for years. Watched him from under sixteens up, and he, he's a he's a real talent. The next guy I want to talk about is another real talent. He's a he's a winger that came through the residency program. Daniel Sagno is heading back to Vancouver. Yeah, he is. He's actually here now. He wanted to have a coffee with us this weekend, but he's been tied up in uh, our last uh, youth uh, tournament uh, of our of our uh, season phase here, so we weren't able to see him. But we'll be meeting with him shortly. Yeah, lots of lots of high praise from various people on him. Obviously, spent some time down in in, uh, in San Diego. Uh, I believe he was on the, the Winnipeg PDL roster last year as well. Looking forward to uh, unleashing what sounds to me to be similar to a Zach Verhoeven type. Yeah, uh, I know he, he's constantly texting us and phoning, uh, touching base with us. Uh, super keen, super motivated. Uh, as Willie said, the sort of player that, that the hungry, uh, I want to be a professional soccer player uh, type of person that, that, that we've been, been sort of coveting in this, in this next uh, season of ours. And the third member of the, the Whitecaps residency, guys, that's returning is goalkeeper. So goalkeeper depth, someone to challenge Andrew Hicks, Luciano Trasolini. Yeah, Luciano, uh, you know, clearly national team level player in our country. Um, one of the things that, that has uh, certainly attracted us to him is uh, he is uh, very, very good with his feet. And uh, you know, anybody that's has watched our youth programming, knows that we're not shy about going back to our goalkeeper, not just because we have to, but because we want to. And uh, this guy, uh, from, from what I've seen, is, uh, is like another center back for us uh, once we've advanced the ball up the field. So um, uh, he's super motivated, obviously coming back to town, uh, I think it uh, is going to challenge uh, Andrew. Uh, he knows he's fully aware of the fact that our, our uh, player of the year is is, uh, is in goal uh, from last season and is sitting at, at, at the start line in front of him, but he's 
he, I know he's going to work his tail off to make sure that uh, he's uh, he's the one standing in front of us when we make game selections. So we're excited about that. And a, a defender that that's come through the the Whitecaps residency program is Brendan Skinner. I, my, I I'm going to say this. Uh, Willie and I spoke to, to, to Brendan on the phone uh, you know, about six weeks ago when we first touched base. He might be the most the oldest 19-year-old I've ever spoken to from a footballing perspective. The, the totally. conversation was was pure adult. <laughs> and I'm not I'm not going to discount some of the other conversations because they were good ones. But this guy was this guy was polished um, and and said all the right things and and stuff. And you know we uh, we had. Uh, uh, back line again, right? Back four uh, uh, again. Uh, you know, a, a pretty thin kind of troop last year, and with all our injuries and stuff. And so, yeah, we're 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 sensitive to that. So clearly, this fellow has has uh, played at a he's a young player again, but he's played at a high enough level and fought, uh, uh, you know, like crazy to. to to maintain himself in those situations, and so we're we're looking forward to him. He's a big big boy, um, and uh, another player that that we've been been told uh, is is comfortable on the ground. Again, another important thing for us. So, so yeah, uh, can't wait to to get him in town and get him rolling in our environment. Yeah, I would just say that most of these guys that we've talked to, the Whitecaps residency coaches, and often you know guys that we've played with and guys that. You know, we've coached around um, for for the list that we've got. Nobody saying that there's any bad eggs around um, attitude either. So that just you know doubles down on the the conversation around some of these guys when they're calling us. They're hungry to be a player. They're happy there's a pathway. They're happy it's in there. You know, a place they're comfortable with and know about. And uh, for many a hometown, and um, so it's just, so it's really good to 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 hear. You know. The people we're choosing are are respected um, in the pathway that they've chosen all the way up. And there's going to be a, a quartet of SFU newbies joining, along with the, the guys that you've already got there: Rahid Rahim, Christopher Guerrero, Connor Glennon, another ex Whitecaps player, and a guy that he's not with SFU yet, but he is going to be with them next season. William Raphael, who's definitely a, a, an interesting backstory to him. Yeah, Will. Popped up at uh, at the SFU Open Tryout last spring, and as you can imagine, you know uh, Clint and his staff, you know, sit down in their lawn chairs. Oh, you get a lot of keen, motivated people out there, but generally, you know, local local guys that are you know, playing intramural soccer and, and stuff, and and they will started running around, and they basically felt fell backwards off their uh, off their lawn chairs. That's how they described it, and uh, said, "Wow, this guy is is a special talent." And uh, Willie unfortunately got tangled up in the uh, NCAA bureaucracy and was unable to uh, uh, get involved uh, with us last year. Uh, partly because if he did, he would have lost a year of eligibility with uh, with FFU. That's finally all been sorted out. And he has been training. He trained with us full last year. He was pretty well at every session. He's trained full this season with SFU, waiting for this, patiently waiting for this ruling to come down. He is, uh, uh, I believe, a, a refugee from South Sudan. Um, has
guys believe that he might be their best player moving forward. And so we're super, super excited. Will is a great lad. He is raw, or he was raw as it comes. Uh, you know, we when we brought the guys into camp last year, we started working on some some individual and group defending stuff to start, and he had no idea what he was doing. It was quite comedic, um, but he learned quickly. And I know that that, that Clint and the staff have taken him, uh, uh, you know, to to the next level over the course of the sort of August through till now. Um, he's been playing in the VMSL uh, a little bit here in the last little while. Um, we, we think that Will might be our ace in the hole uh, when, when we get going here. So Yeah, and it's interesting to note as well that, um, you know, a lot of people want to know why, um, you know, there's a refugee permanent resident. I mean, everything that we dream about is, is creating a, a player or helping create a pathway for a player to make it to our national team and make a difference. And so, you know, having a guy like that show up out of nowhere, who, you know, really does show, have a lot of the X factor that um, you can't always find. And, and, you know, him be so happy to be a Canadian and, and be living here and given opportunities. There's just a certain hunger similar to that sort of Alejandro uh, discussion we had. It's not necessarily dark arts, but there's a certain level of hunger and, and haven't been handed every, everything on a plate that uh, we're excited about as well. Just adding that humility to, to training that um, is so necessary for our Canadians to understand, but also sort of grapple with and get a hold of that they've got to they've got to do something and and create something for themselves. And he's got that because, you know, frankly, when you're a refugee and you make it all the way to a country like ours and and get an education, you already are successful. So, for us, super pumped to have a guy like him in there. It's, going to be awesome and we're quickly running out of time so I'll, I'll just list the last two players Connor Gilhern from UBC Eric Edwardson who's a, a guy that I'm I'm not that familiar with at all but looking at the, those 18 players as a whole do you feel this is a better squad this year than than what you had last year I know there's still a, a few more additions to be announced we're not that good we're not that we're, we really don't know what we're doing here there Mike um, <laughs> Uh, no, honestly, I mean, you, you touched on a couple of guys that we, we really, um, you know, we didn't talk about everybody there, but everybody is, is there to add to the training environment. There's We're, we're going to be better in one, one facet alone, which is who's going to make the, the starting 11. you got to get out of training to make the starting 11, whereas last year um, the starting 11, partly due to injuries that were some crazy, um, was sticking itself, and that didn't create the environment of I, I need to get better. I mean, Eric Edwardson has come highly recommended. Uh, really, you know, an esteemed career, if you will, at Portland Pilots as well, along with um, playing with uh, uh, the other Eric. But, um, you know, he's hungry. Uh, guys like uh, Mark Rogers really recommend him, help mentor him over time. So that's a fantastic thing. Connor, um, you know, works his socks off. Here's the guy that every time we've either talked to someone or watched him, it's, you know, a guy who... You know, bleeds for whatever jerseys. And, and here's wearing. what he here's what he said to me, Mike, when we first talked to him. He said, "I'm going to be the best player on this team, and I'm I'm going to be the captain." Nice. Yeah. And we thought, "Good on you, son." And so, yeah. so yeah, I, I think that the, 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 the culture of the group, first and foremost, um, uh, is going to be stronger. Uh, we obviously have a a, a year under our belt. 
you know, I, I don't care what you do. You know, we've done a lot in football over the years locally here. Um, but, you know, when you, when, when you take on a project that you've never done before, you know, I, I personally, I'd like to go see, you know, Pep Guardiola run a U10 community-based team for an entire season and, and watch him spin his wheels and, and fail. Um, it's football, but it's different, right? And so never being in the PDL before, never played uh, games at Swan Guard as, a, uh, as an organization, uh, never been on the road in the PDL. Um, uh, you know, we, we, we were in a dark room last year, and, and, and now, you know, you know we're, nothing's going to be perfect, we know, but we, we're, we're very confident. We have more people doing other things for us this year, whereas Will and I were pretty well the guys last year, and so we can focus down on 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 some of the stuff that's you know clearly more important to, to having this organization thrive. And so yeah, we're we're uh, we think we're we're set up here. I'm not going to uh, go out on a limb and say, oh yeah, you know we're going to be in the top three as a division or anything like that. Um, we're going to have to let this thing unfold for a bit before we before we get an idea of exactly where we're at. But I am way more comfortable and happy with the player personnel so far because we have picked these players. Whereas last year, because of the timelines, we had kids uh, recommended to us. Um, some worked out, some didn't. Uh, you know, the, and that just kind of magnified the, the situation that we were in at the eleventh hour, trying to put all this stuff together. You know, we've been wa- we, we've been watching players locally since September, and uh, we've done we've had an opportunity to do far more due diligence this time around. So, so uh, we got a few more players to go. We got our eye on a, on a couple more here that that we should be able to announce here in the next probably week or two, and then uh, we're going to have our open tryout in early April. Uh, look to find one or two uh, diamonds in the rough there. And, uh, and and move on. Our first training session will be on Monday, April the 23rd. I'm looking forward to it. I'll be out at that. Looking forward to chatting to you guys as the, the season gets closer. And we'll, we'll do a lot more in AFTN again this year. We'll be profiling the new players that, that we've talked about and some interviews with some of the returnees and a lot more besides. So good luck this season. And I'm looking forward to working with you again. Thanks, Mike. You, you're a huge part of this, you, you know, right? And, uh, and we we, uh, we can't do this without you. So appreciate uh, appreciate all your efforts. If you followed TSS Rovers in the past year, you'll see they use the hashtag Will and Determination a lot. That is from that tragically hip song, Grace 2. Turns out, though, that Colin isn't Determination. I always thought it was Will and Colin yeah. was called Determination, but it's not. It's, it's lyrics from that. But that is the first 18 names in the TSS roster. Some great returnees. Everyone's going to be glad to see Andrew Hicks back in goal. He was outstanding last year. Yeah. And Zach Verhoeven as well, who is, as they said there... One of the most dynamic players last yeah, year, for sure. Yeah, but needs to work 
on aspects of his game yeah. if he wants to go to that next level. Because, I mean, Gideon, we called him playing for UBC. He drifts out of games just too much. And at a pro level, you, you just can't do that. Yeah, Willie talked about how he, he's going to have to... He can he can, can take control of games, and he's also a younger player, so sometimes he tends to drift out of them. So this year, they kind of want him to, to try, take control of games, as they mentioned. I, I, but I, I think, the you know, personally for me, the two most important returnees for TSS is Michael and Gideon. Oh, thank you, Steve. Steve. Thank you. Because yeah. without them, I wouldn't have any idea what's going on. <laughs> and Joe. Joe is crucial yeah, statistics last yeah. year as well. Yeah. We've, we've got the whole press box almost. Just need Thomas Brown here, and then we'd, we'd have the, the whole show. But yeah, Joe is the stats guy for TSS Rovers. Might get him on commentary this year so I can take in a game from behind the goal. It'd be, like hard. The old days. It'd be hard to do stats uh, and commentary oh, at well, the same time. We'll, we'll get somebody else to that. Just make them up. We'll get a, <laughs> That's what I did the time oh, I did actually, it. We'll okay. get the AFT and intern to do that. Oh, yes. We'll yeah. get oh. Actually, last season I forgot to give a yellow card to record a yellow card for a TSS player because he took his shirt off during uh, after scoring a goal. <laughs> I was too busy celebrating <laughs> that I forgot to write it down. What was that, Matteo Polisi by yes, any chance? I didn't, want to, I didn't want to say the exact moment, but yeah. that was definitely... That the was the last goal of the season. No one cares. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, the Polisi brothers are back and... A couple of the new additions that we didn't talk about because we are running out of time in the interview because I'd said 20 minutes, that's, that's what we'll do. We'd already gone over by five. I want to talk about, just very quickly, a couple of the, the SFU clan guys that are joining the team this year. Connor Glennon, Whitecaps residency graduate. I liked what he brought to the residency. Yeah. He's been playing VMSL with Reno's Tigers. A lot of goals. He is a great winger. He is a good prospect. He moved west from Ontario. Really looking forward to seeing what he does. And Rahid Rahim, SFU clan striker, been playing with the VMSL champs, BCT, Rovers, Tigers United, got nine or ten goals from this year and the adult league. So he has work rate and his work ethic and what he's like off the pitch is apparently excellent. He was one of the guys I recommended to them, so I was quite glad that they that they took him on board. Some of the guys I recommended you, you last just, year didn't go very well. Yeah, you, <laughs> but when it goes well, you got to toot your own horn. Yeah. So let's hope he performs. But are you excited for this season, Gideon? I'm sure you are. I'm, I've been counting down the days since the uh, schedule was announced in early February, so I'm pretty excited to say the least, but lots really of good young players this year. Yeah, for sure. And once again, AFTN are the media partners for TSS Rovers, and we'll be bringing you some player profiles and interviews next month, and a lot more as this season gets underway. But we're going to be back talking about one of the other big stories this week, Vancouver not being a World Cup 2026 host after this. Hey, it's Sivan Runovic, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back. A lot of friction this week. Yeah. Yeah, this could be a a fiery part. I've honestly not canvassed everyone's views. I don't know how you're going to fall and put side of the line. But the big talking point in soccer circles in Vancouver this week was the announcement on, I think it was Wednesday, that the NDP government in BC has decided to remove Vancouver as a potential host for the 2026 uh, World Cup? Well, through their actions. I wouldn't say they removed Vancouver. I think they were dropped. That's what they said. They were dropped by the mid-committee. And that's they what did to... not meet the requirements exactly. by the deadline. So, so they were dropped they, by them. Yeah. Well... Because they, they wanted more time to work on it or something. Yeah. Even though they had a lot, lot of time yeah. to work on it. <laughs> now, I'll stay off the back. I am not a political active person here in BC because I'm not allowed to vote because I'm not a Canadian citizen, so they don't let me vote. So I haven't taken a lot of interest. If I was going to have voted in the last election, I would probably have voted NDP because they offered me $400 renters rebate. Still waiting for that. But they would maybe have got my vote. So anything that comes out is not 
from us at least of a political nature it's just how, how we're feeling about things mm. now there has been a lot of chatter this week about various things just before we get into some of that just what, what's your general thoughts on all of this i do you feel it was the right decision with stuff that has subsequently come out? Or do you feel they should maybe have at least stayed in the process a little bit longer because they didn't have to make a final decision till I believe, 2021? Yeah. And then just see how their land lay or pull out any time between now and 2021? I, I think, I personally think they should have stayed in. Um, there was no reason that, if there is an out, like I, like I don't know how, like that much was in there in the writing that there wasn't. I think that's the problem. No, nobody no knows really what's going knows on. Everything, and yeah. that's why I blame. That's why I'm not totally against what the government did because the fact that there was not very much information apparently uh, to them or to anybody else. Um, I, if there was an out, then they should have stayed in there because then they could have just uh, been out. Obviously, they might have been out of power by 2021 because NDP governments rarely last that long in this province. They should have stayed in there, but obviously they didn't like what they saw. But how much time did they have to see it? Everything. I'm in the same boat as Michael. I I'm not a Canadian citizen. I'm not super involved in politics here, um, and I I know oh, very, I, I know very I, I, I am a Canadian with. citizen, and I'm not super involved in politics yeah, at all. Yeah. Once the SNP start standing here, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, like I when I heard the news first, I was a little bit surprised. And then, like, very quickly, my it was it didn't turn into like anti, uh, like NDP sentiment. It was just anti FIFA, which is like a sentiment I've had for years now because yeah, they are they a are hard case. Yeah, like you just have to watch the John Oliver expose on them, and you y- know yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I saw the FIFA film, the propaganda movie that they put. Oh, out. you were oh, one of the few. Folks yeah, that actually, saw no, that. me, Nick, and another friend illegally Tim downloaded Roth? it. Yeah, Tim Roth was in the. Yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah, was yeah. one of the worst movies. Like I've ever seen. Well, they showed clips of that in the. Jo- you, if anybody can, uh, uh, go, uh, go on YouTube and go John Oliver and FIFA. Yeah, that that's there really was good. Three different parts that they talked yeah. about, and especially well, the stuff. It's just Jack it's Warner. a corrupt organization. Like they making noises that they're fixing all that, but everything everything that I've heard that has come out since you know the fallout of all this has just reinforced that view that it's not really the liberal or the NDP's problem. It's the it's the way that it was phrased. I think someone said it was like negotiating with hillbillies or something. Um, that, that's that was a quote from a, a Canada a soccer yeah spoke an, an anonymous Canada soccer senior official that that Global put out saying okay. that they said dealing with the NDP government here was like dealing with the oh it was the NDP yeah. okay okay so yeah I, my wires were crossed there but like what would have it have been what four games in Vancouver. Four, maybe five, and then a couple of games, practice games. No, I, like I, I, I think games. it would have been three to four. I don't think it would have been five because there's ten matches overall. And it would have been group games. Like, yeah. we two, could have gotten Algeria versus rounds. Slovakia, which, yeah. I've, which I did see one year. I think it was 2010. It was one of the we, worst. We games. probably would have got Syria versus Iran because they won't be allowed to go down to the US. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's possible. But like, I, I, in in principle, I am behind the government's decision. Like. There's a big debate going on about the World Cup. Like, is it mo- like should we morally not watch the World Cup if it's in Qatar because of the human rights kind yeah. of violations? And in Russia too, they have a similar discussion going on. Like, I know the government is an unpopular person to make this kind of a stand, like an unpo- unpo- unpopular entity to make this stand. But uh, like, 
there's some of the things that that came out that was part of the bidding process. It's just unforgivable, and no government that is actually thinking about budgets and thinking about you know the future, like would would sign on to that kind of thing. It's just yeah. that it's the World Cup and it's because, so amazing. Because nothing nothing was written in stone, and that was the pro- big problem. Yeah. they couldn't they couldn't p- give what they wanted. Yeah, no, I know. I'm uh, for sure disappointed when it came out. I was a little bit surprised, like Joe said, but logistically, I think for, for right now, it's it's the right thing to do. And again, it's it's sad for for soccer fans, but I mean, as Steve said, three to four games. It's would you rather have you know BC NDP being a, a hump or or us have three to four games and a couple of test matches? That's the, the real question. Three four games, three four games. <laughs> but like, think about it. Would you rather? drive down to Seattle watch a couple of games or have the games I, in Vancouver not, not cost us a, a penny a uh, exactly and not have the government like p- potentially like what like you look at the countries that have hosted the World Cups like South Africa and Brazil in particular like Brazil th- were left in a mess yeah uh, they were in a mess before the tournament even started Brazil? the protests ha- were happening outside of stadiums South Africa like I think I told the story before of the FIFA courts in in, in South yeah. Africa that would like they, they are I above the law them, remember yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, that's all from the John Oliver thing. You watch that all. Like for the, you mentioned in there that um, uh, they they built that one uh, stadium just on like where there was no access. They had to get everything down the river. Yeah, all the materials cost in Manaus, two, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's 270 million for four matches. So they went in the jungle. And yeah. They, yeah, they turned it into it a was, they turned it into a garden expo or something after oh, that, or something that, like that. It's 270 million dollars though spent on that for yeah. four matches. I, I know this is different from the World Cup, but I went to Athens the year after they hosted the Olympics and the amount of just derelict sports stadiums that yeah. nothing Sydney was happening too. with them. It was yeah. horrible. So I'm going to go over quickly it's like uh, you we talked about well, we haven't talked about the the article in the province by Michael Smith who is a, a political uh, yes. reporter and in the past has never has always seen things down the yep. line. He's he will go against impartial. the liberals. Very yep. impartial. So this is what he was told. Obviously, I, I would say this was an eye opener. And after reading that this morning, yeah, my anger has subsided and I've calmed down quite a bit. And 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 obviously he's been fed this information from the NDP. But yeah, as Bob Mackin broke the the confidential bed news as yeah. well, which was a, a little bit so. Hmm. So okay, let's go over this one by one and see. What, well, try to go one by one. Uh, so w- there's some of the things that FIFA demanded. Not one, but two natural grass playing surfaces. One to be like as a backup in case the first one went wrong. That's the most reasonable part of the whole bit. <laughs> I, I, I don't see an issue with that because we have seen grass pitches put down. We saw it at Empire Field, but that was, of course, an open-air rain. They cut up. You do need a backup. You can't have a big world event yeah. and a pitch that's going to tear up. For four games, still, you know. Yeah. Yeah. They could have donated their grass afterwards anyways. Um, now, this one, I think th- this one, I'm surprised is not there right now. They sh- two separate sources of power for the stadium. You want backup power for a stadium like BC Place. What if there yeah, is a power BC goes Place out? BC flagged it up saying we only have one. And, and, it's and like, that was I concerning. Thought, well, that is strange because surely yeah. you should have more than one. My work has a backup generator. and We don't uh, occupy the number of people that are BC Place. <laughs> Considering they had the opening and closing ceremonies at BC Place with one power source is a little bit concerning. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's why that one thing didn't yeah, go up. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> in, in South Africa, they actually had to build those backup generators. And there were these big, like, FIFA-branded chimneys outside of uh-huh. the Soccer City Stadium. I saw and, some pictures of that. And now they have no water. Um, <laughs> uh, also, uh, security uh, prices were unknown. 
Yeah, but that was um, a big one because yeah. they Smith, said that the estimates were like went six times over or something in the previous for the yeah, Olympics. For the Olympics, yeah, it was yeah. one hundred seventy-five million. It went over to a billion. Now yeah. I don't think it was would be that much because it is only four or five games or whatever. Yeah. It I, wasn't I over volunteered two weeks. at the Olympics and the security was insane. Brazil for was over the volunteers trying to get in the building. Brazil's security costs were nine hundred million, but I think that had to do a lot with the riots that were happening Lots because of, of protests, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there probably would be protests here, you have to think as well. Exclusive use of BC Place up to two months. All other events had to be either cancelled or postponed. This was an interesting one just for me in general because every, every bid city's obviously got this. So Seattle's in the frame for Century Link, which means there can be no Sounders games at Century Link, assuming the MLS season is running. Mm. But any other stadium that's used in the bid process for an MLS game can't host an MLS game. But I think most of the stadiums in uh, that are part of this are NFL stadiums, and there is no yeah, I think you're right. there is no uh, NFL obviously during uh, uh, July, August, or, uh, June, July, and even when they come back in August for preseason, there won't be any the games usually yeah. held in there. It seems a bit excessive. That, two months of two months, yeah. I think it's a week after the event is over too, which just seems really weird. And then the tax breaks, so you're not actually making any money. You're losing money. Over yeah, and that's the other thing is the tax breaks. The tax breaks not only for FIFA, but all their partners. So that's all the sponsors and everything. So that's... that's. Uh, Did they do a longer break for the men's and the women's? Because remember when the men's or women's World Cup was here in 2015, they only had like a month and a half break or whatnot for the Whitecaps, right? It was not two months. I don't yeah, think it was But two I think it's, no. it's a difference of it being... You'd also they, have the lines displaced as well. Yeah. Remember, yeah, that's true. And remember the... Uh, but remember, FIFA uh, does not rate the women as high as, yeah. the, as the men, so they're not going to put that, that guy... Plus, by 2026, the Lions might be drawing single-figure crowds. So. They might be in their own stadium <laughs> yeah, in Fraser Valley. Guard. Oh, yeah. yeah. Actually, that does make sense for them, but anyway, that's a whole other thing. Um, and then... Um, they they had to ban all non-authorized advertising and commercial activity, including any promotional, public relation, religious, political, commercial advertising around the stadium without written approval. But the Olympics were like that as well because I remember big issues and also in London. I remember no, watching lots of things but that they, there was all No, this. They, 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 they couldn't say that they were part of the Olympics. But this seems like they're banning everything. Yeah, advertising. but it didn't say. Like for example, didn't say what the radius was. Either. Yeah, they so couldn't yeah. get a definition of yeah. what so was they, around. For example, Rogers Arena is right next door. Do they have to cover up yeah. the the sign that says Rogers Arena? Rogers, yeah. And there's a casino there now, yeah. right down downtown. Exactly. Um, special treatment. Oh, you, tax exemption. We talked about that. The tax breaks get overlooked a lot, but it is yeah. absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. The amount of tax breaks. I exemption think. from. But you look oh. at what like Google and Amazon get tax breaks around the world as well. So it isn't just FIFA in, in this regard. Yeah. Yeah. Exemption from labor law, which is because this NDP is a union uh, government, kind of the union uh, basically up them all the time. So uh, that would be a big no-no for them and the people that they uh, are supported by them. Unrestricted import and export of currencies. Yeah, so it's basically, which, it seems like money laundering for me. It is basically money laundering. <laughs> um, yeah. What the government wanted was a detailed business plan sharing, showing projected costs, which you'd think the big committee would do. Um, federal government responsibility for the security. So, uh, and then in indemnity uh, to protect BC taxpayers from the cost overdue, overuse. Don't, for, don't forget that FIFA has a 
uh, $1 billion surplus. Not a profit. They're a non-profit organization. But they have a $1 billion surplus in case they need to emergency host the World Cup in a different country last yeah. minute. Well, that's, uh, that, yeah, because they're saying you're a non-profit, but you have $1 billion. They don't call it profit. They call no. it surplus. Surplus, <laughs> that's yeah. The, yeah. the buzzword. I, kn- I mean, when all of that came out, as I say, I calmed down a bit. And I do think, yeah, the government here were within their rights to question these and try and get answers. But they could still have stayed in the process yeah. yes. and waited to get these answers. That Now, FIFA might not have budged. They might have, because by that point, who knows what's going to happen. Chicago, Minnesota and Phoenix also pulled out as potential host cities now, this I, week. There was word that Minnesota pulled out knowing that they were going to get cut anyways. That was there was word there was rumors Which of that. It surprises me really yeah. because like the Minnesota United game this weekend was an amazing atmosphere. Yeah. I really enjoyed watching that. They all put out very suspiciously similar worded thoughts saying that they were pulled out though. That that's the only thing that kinda raised alarm bells. Was this a concerted effort by certain cities to try and stick it to FIFA? Yeah. Maybe even derail the bid. I was going to say, Michael, you brought up the atmosphere in Minnesota. It's still so weird them playing on a Minnesota, like yeah. the, the college there. I, so I, strange. I thought it was a packed stadium and then this camera pulled out. Pulled out at one point, point like, oh, yeah. there's no one above. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, one, one, one supporter of the NDP government from an international point of view was Andrew Jennings in the same article. Yes. He's Legend. the one that he's the one that broke the whole FIFA scandal thing and that led to the all the... Uh, trials and uh, tribulations yeah. in, in that you we've want been talking nothing about. Nothing to do with FIFA. Yeah. You've made the right decision. Andrew yeah. Jennings used to in, uh, like do journalism on war criminals, and then he switched over to FIFA, and then he said that it was uh, worse. <laughs> yeah, he's called he called Jack Werner the most deplorable person I've ever covered, and he covered like genocide and things like that. Mm-hmm. As I've said before, I will not have a bad word said against the man that got his five three Trinidad and Tobago players. <laughs> <laughs> well, three. Don't know how that went <laughs> down. <laughs> there may have been. Uh, paper bags exchanged because folk like to go from the Caribbean to metal now <laughs> we talked about obviously Toronto and Montreal we figured that they were going to host anyways yeah. Edmonton looks like they're going to host they don't have the backing of their government either no they made a big splash though the day after yeah. Vancouver pulled out which made you wonder was that big splash planned to be in Vancouver I, I would be very interested to hear someone who was from like one of the cities that stayed in the bid knowing what broke from Vancouver mm. what like how they would feel more from like a you know, a citizen point of view rather than like a, f- a soccer fan point of view. Like, are you okay with all this tax, all the, all your government footing the bill for all this FIFA yeah. stuff? Yeah, because I mean, Edmonton's going alone. Vancouver can't because the BC government own but, BC Place. But that's one question I have for you. Couldn't, if the bid committee really wanted Vancouver, couldn't they have just rented BC Place for two months? Not if the NDP said they didn't want to do it. Because the city... Because they could. Because the city, the, all the other stuff, like this blocking of the city roads and stuff like that, that was uh, that was yeah. city stuff, so I don't know. If you wanted to put on your conspiracy theory hat and or anti-NDP hat, you could say as well that the NDP maybe thought we're not going to be in power in 2026, we might not be in power in 2021. If we pull out of the bid now, we know it's scuppered. If we stay in and the Liberals get in power, then they'll probably okay it. And then if it's a great event, we don't want the Liberals getting the the credit for it. Yeah, That's just my cynical view of politicians because I don't trust any politician of any party even well, my own party I don't trust words well, that come out of their mouth the thing is the NDP it is politics they, the people that support the NDP 
are definitely going to be for their decision. Oh, totally. And 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 we've even some seen liberal supporters some pe- we, well, we've yeah. seen some people in the timeline that are soccer supporters yep. have actually gone and, and are okay with this decision. But BC Place, it's been a political hot potato for years because the NDP didn't want the Liberals spending all that money on it. It overran. All that kind of stuff happened. It's This kind of plays into them, the NDP saying, look, it should be privatised because then if it was privatised, Vancouver could be like Edmonton. So who knows what how that's going to be. Just quickly wrap up this section because I know we're kind of overrunning a bit on the show, but... There is maybe a chance Vancouver could be a base for some teams. We could even get a couple of little mini friendlies at Swan Guard or something. Because there might be some teams that want to get based here as opposed to Edmonton or Seattle. So we've got that hope. We have got the chance that there's going to be games in Seattle. But my understanding was FIFA, because it was a big 48-team World Cup, where Keenan groups being hosted by nearby cities. So Toronto, Montreal, it'd be Vancouver... Edmonton, Vancouver, Seattle. Yeah, Seattle, Seattle, Edmonton could be the grouping. Oh, I guess it's because not it's that it's, far. it's it's a what? It's a, not drive two a, two a, two hour drive. Oh, two, hour, a, two hour flight. Sorry, two hour flight. Oh, so how, it, it could be a west coast. coast. You drive, man. No, tw- it, I did it in nine hours. Yeah. <laughs> it could be a west coast thing that like you yeah. could have Seattle, Portland. I don't think it's gonna be Portland. Port- Portland, Portland doesn't out. have a city. Oh, yeah, yeah, Portland weren't even in it because they haven't got the. It could be Seattle, San Francisco. That's still too far away, I think. That, well, I that's think another so two-hour yeah. difference. So it's either Seattle with Edmonton or Seattle with... Uh, so it's one of the two. Final thing I just want to say on this is what is this going to mean for the future, though, of games in Vancouver? You have to be pretty sure the CSA are pissed off at this. Whether we feel it's right or wrong or whatever, the CSA are not going to be happy that Vancouver's pulled out. Yeah, but if the CSA is... Uh, if they do, like If they punish Vancouver because of a provincial government's choice... Then that's pretty short-sighted on them, yeah, because they have. If they want to grow the sport, they're going to have to include Vancouver. Well, they'll say we're growing the sport by having it in places other that cities. are going to host. No, I understand that, but you have to. If you want to grow it nationally, you have to have it in one of the bigger, bigger. I West agree, Coast. but I think we're pretty, screwed. I don't. Think I think they're pretty, I don't we, think we the don't East get Coasters. Any men's national match. Yeah. I don't think the East Coasters <laughs> care pretty that stupid much then. about what happens in Vancouver. Yeah. To be honest, but well, I'm, I'm telling you that the CSA is pretty stupid and short-sighted yeah. if they decide to punish. No, I, I agree. Would you be surprised? I don't know. I no, I wouldn't be surprised, but I think they'd be pretty stupid. Yeah, but look what they did for Mexico and El Salvador as well. Look at the crowds they drew for that. Yeah. Like on that side of things, how would yeah. you give up that for yeah. like a government decision? Yeah, I'd, it'd I be dumb. Know. We'll see how that plays out. But I think Edmonton might get some more games. The women, everything was moved here, but that was Herdman's. That was Herdman's kind of decision to to kind of do that. Well, Herdman's in charge of the men's team now, maybe. Yeah, I mean, he's still got his place here out in, in South Surrey. But yeah, it's just been a disappointing week. Like I say, I've calmed down a lot more than than my Twitter rants early in the week. I still don't think that the NDP handled this very well. It came out of the blue. I think that was the problem. There had been no indication at all until the day before that this was going to happen. Then it all happened and... Yep, we're all disappointed, but at least we can go down to Seattle. Will we even be hosting the 2026 World Cup? And that's something we'll we'll talk about about when we get to BC Soccer Web headlines. But we'll be back after this. Hi, I'm Carl Robinson. Uh, You're listening to the AFTN podcast. Now it's my favourite time of the show. It's wavelength time. And we're going back to our Welsh band. A lot of Welsh bands this year. We've played this band about two months ago with a song that went down very well in that Zach liked it. This is from a four-track 
soccer-themed EP that they brought out in 1996 called Size 5 Football. This is Fly Screen, and this is a song called Stamford Bridge. screen there with Stamford Bridge. Glad I knew what the uh, who the artists were because I had no idea. Because you just made it back in yeah. time for the end of the song. I had to nip away for a, a very quick pee. This is another reason why we need a camera in the studio. It's another <laughs> reason why we need a toilet in the studio. Jeez, man. Or at least a bottle. <sighs> anyway, that was Fly Screen from 1996. Oh, you can tell it's an old song. They were talking about it being two points for a win. Been a long time since that happened. But now... It's time for BC Soccer Web Headlines. BC Soccer Web Headlines is brought to you in partnership with bcsoccerweb.com, your one-stop site for local, national and international news and links. Make it part of your daily football reading routine. Check out bcsoccerweb.com. What's been catching your eye on the site this week, Steve? Well, Michael, uh, we've got a couple of follow-ups. Um, for previous articles that we talked about. Uh, first of all, um, uh, for the World Cup that's coming up right now, British royalty and the English politicians are probably are going to be skipping the World Cup because of that whole Russian poisoning of uh, the double agent that happened. Uh, a lot of... At first they were saying that there might be no team going at all, but now it seems like it's mostly the... Uh, you know the dignitaries that aren't going to show up, and that's going to be their protest. I think. I think England should do the right thing and pull out. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're asking a lot of people. There's a lot of pull out this week. 
I wouldn't touch that. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but I think, uh, isn't uh, a member of royalty actually president of the FA? It's kind of like an honorary position. Well, Prince something? Andrew was involved in the, the last bid when they tried yeah. to get the 2018 World Cup. And yes, he was a little bit tarnished by some things that may have happened. Oh. Okay, so, and then another one, uh, the right to light, if you remember that correctly, Chelsea... Uh, wants Stamford to Bridge. wants to big, uh, build their new stadium, expand it uh, into bigger, and then there was uh, one neighbor who was saying that it's going to block out the sun for oh, their yes. house, and now it seems it's going to be it's been confidentially settled. Um, there uh, because the neighbor realized that it's the UK and there's not much sun. Well, I think he also probably got a big lump sum of money yeah, more than he was maybe supposed that to as get. Well. Yeah, so uh, he, he built his own sun. Yeah. So last week we talked about West Ham and the protest hey. they had. Uh, the protest they had. On you irons. <laughs> um, this and, and uh, little did we know. We have obviously we don't follow what's going on in other leagues around the world on Sundays or. On oh weekend. yes. But uh, first of all, League One, uh, the, so there was a, a pitch invasion, and it wasn't good for the home team, Lille. Uh, they basically the supporters uh, invaded the pitch. And they actually started kicking at the players. Mm. A couple of players, a, a, the striker, that one of their defenders, they got kicked at. Um, this is a team that got new ownership, and they were saying that they were going to go for Champions League, and now they're basically um, uh, next to last with nine games to go. And they lost today uh, 2-1 to Monaco, so it's eight games to go. Um, uh, and they won the double back in 2011. Yeah, they used to be a big team. But the biggest... Um, uh, Soccer violence, as you want to say, it happened in Greece, mm. uh, where there was a, a pitch invasion of one. Uh, it was the owner of uh, what was the? How do you pronounce the name? Uh, Poak or Payak? Uh, Pak, I think. Yeah, um, Georgian-born, so he's Russian officially. Ivan Savitis, um, uh, basically just losing a whole Georgian listenership there. Um, he basically came on the pitch when there was a disputed offside goal. Yes, with a gun. He forgot he had it. He oh. said. Yeah, and uh, basically he's apologized now after they uh, put an arrest for uh, 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 warrant for his arrest, and he is going to be all um, uh, investigated by the Greek officials. Uh, but the the club faces a deduction of points and relegation, possibly owner faces a five year ban. Only in Greece and FIFA is, is actually, wild there. <laughs> FIFA is actually uh, kind of. Um, it's, it's warning Greece of possibly getting expulsion from international soccer as well because oh, of all really? this violence. In fact, after this occurred, I read in one of the articles that two days later at a high school championship match, um, there was about 14 people arrested because apparently they had iron rods and bats at a high school game. So obviously they take a my football violence song for this the, week. The, if the, I knew this this week it would have been big. I mean, Greece, they are so passionate there. And when I was there, I didn't get a chance to see a game. Spent about a week or so there. Lovely country. I love it. I'd love to go back. I'd love to see a game there. Another person from the safety of the stand. Another person who was um, suspended for now uh, is a former Liverpool player, Jamie Carragher, uh, by Sky Sports. Mm. He is uh, got a spitting issue. Mm-hmm. Too much saliva. Um, he was uh, being. I blame Luis Suarez being in Liverpool <laughs> for so long. He was off. he was being uh, goaded into it. Uh, somebody reminded him of I think it was Manchester United. They were playing. Yeah, go to them. Kept, Man U kept big rivals. Kept reminding them of the what the score is, and he lost it. He spit, and apparently there was a fourteen year old girl in the back seat um, of the car, and it, it got all caught on video too. Well, to be fair, his accuracy was never that good no. as a player. So. 
Um, and then um, a news that uh, a Premier League club might get investment from Oprah. It was uh, Swansea City, possibly. But I think it's all more tongue-in-cheek. Uh, apparently, uh, you, do you, you know, know... had enough of Americans after Bob Brown? You, you know Mindy Kaling? Oh, yeah. Mindy Kaling is, uh, uh, has an investment in Swansea already. Shocking. Yeah, I was surprised about that wow. too. And they were, because they're doing their wrinkle in time kind of mm. promotion in England, it was brought up and Oprah was found out about it. And she's like, oh, maybe I should invest too then. Because uh, obviously Mindy Kaling, is, she's actually a pretty big supporter of the, of the club. She really enjoyed it and loved the, and she called it football too. She didn't call it soccer. So if they sign players under Oprah, does she like, is she there for their contract signing? You get a car, contract, you get a you car, you get a car. <laughs> Uh, Basictus uh, during the Champions League was charged by UEFA after a cat ran onto the pitch in delayed match. I don't know how you blame. What? I don't know how you blame. I guess if it, maybe FIFA's not cat people, they're uh, dog people. Um, they were, but also in, in, including that, they were also throwing objects on the uh, onto the pitch and uh, blocking stairways. Apparently, they were. It was a three-one loss to Bayern Munich. So Zach obviously happy about that. Talking eight, of wild eight, fans, eight, the one Turkish to ones are maybe just slightly more insane than the Greek ones. Well, there was a player who Great also, uh, Schechter's uh, Facundo Ferreira, uh, shoved, a ball bo- names. shoved a ball boy over the advertising board for delaying a match. He actually like ran him over. It was like a hit, like basically a check like you would see in a hockey match or whatever. So that was interesting. Oh, uh, news for that hits close to home to you, Michael. AFC Wimbledon. Uh, are hoping to move into Plough Lane Stadium for 2019 and 2020. That's quite old news, though. But it's it kind of made it more official. Well, yeah, now. I, I, I was down. The, the, what they're doing? They're building. They're moving back to Plough Lane. They're building what they hope to be a 20,000 stadium. Well, initially it's, it's initially to nine to ten. Yeah. yeah, but they're also building houses and apartments around it. So I put myself down on the wait list because I thought that'd be nice to, to own a Live house there. there. Yeah. Thinking, oh, maybe a couple of hundred thousand. Maybe just have a deposit, get a mortgage, whatever. Four hundred forty-five thousand yeah, starting price. It's not going to be two hundred thousand dollars. That was pounds. Four hundred forty-five thousand pounds even starting worse. price. Yeah. So I, I, my dream of living beside Wimbledon's ground is not going to happen. Uh, U.S. Soccer MLS news: Didi Drogba is going to be has announced he's going to retire at the end of the season. With didn't Phoenix play Island. yesterday. No. Um, uh, Champions League, Concacaf Champions League. We didn't get a chance to talk that in during MLS wrap up. Two teams advance: the Red Bulls and Toronto. Seattle doesn't. Was that really Surprised a surprise, that? though? They had thought, seven players I on the lineup. I thought Toronto FC yeah. had the least chance to they subbed off. They had to sub off two players as well before the 35th minute Seattle did. So right then off the bat, you're down to one sub in the last 45 minutes. Gideon is a bit of a Seattle sports fan. Oh, is he? I wouldn't say that. Um, yeah, but, but weren't you surprised a little <laughs> bit about TFC advancing? I was. Yeah. I really didn't think they would do it. And I hate to give TFC credit. They, they played, they played well, yeah. And I think, to be fair, if the Jovinko free kick didn't go in, it would be a different game. Yeah. But that that penalty led on was... Yeah, I mean, yeah. T- to go there and get that result, you, you've it's got huge. to say well done. Especially if they played, what, four times in two weeks as well, so credit yeah. to them. Just annoyed me even more that Brekshay fell over as he ran out and goal. I still have nightmares, wake up screaming about that. U.S. Soccer announces that they're uh, about the competition details for the 2018 World, uh, U.S. Open Cup. Okay, I know, I know, I got confused there. There's so many cups going on. Oh yes, Um, but there were three teams that were admitted: uh, Near Cosmos, Miami FC, and Jackson Armada, who are playing in the NPSL. Yeah, they're playing an amateur league. Yeah, so they filed a grievance. Yeah, about that. They're also not allowed to loan their players to any USL teams. It's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Um, in in Columbus, Columbus News, uh, the crew. Owners are presenting a commitment to the community letter to the Austin. 
That's just basically saying, you know, this is what you can expect if we go to Austin. We'll be here for 20 years and then we'll move the team to somewhere else. But the big news was about the Attorney General, uh, Mike DeWine, or DeWine, uh, uh, making a statement saying that he is going to seek the court to um, go forward with that that lawsuit. Go, Mikey. And that they should have to, over the next month, six months, they should provide a reasonable opportunity for local investors to purchase the rights and keep their team in Columbus. Um, Can hope, but I, I, I looked at a couple of uh, possible owners, and I don't, I'm sure Columbus crew... Do, do fan, they know this? <laughs> no, I'm sure Columbus crew uh, fans know about these people, but I thought I'd mention them. Uh, Edward, Edward DeBartolo Jr., who used to be owner oh, of the 49ers. 49ers guy, He's yeah. from Columbus, uh, not Columbus, sorry, Youngstown, Ohio. Um, Denise York, his uh, sister, who is currently the owner of the 49ers, is obviously mm-hmm. from Ohio. And Randy Lerner, uh, former owner of Aston Villa, is from wow. Ohio. They hated him at Aston Villa. I don't think you want him in Columbus. I'm sure if he bought the Columbus team, he would be very well loved. Maybe this yeah, is a way maybe. for him to get some love yeah. back <laughs> for saving a team. Uh, Candon News, um, uh, Herdman announced his first roster uh, for the uh, the friendlies that are going on. No white caps, obviously, because you mentioned before that they had a conversation. It wasn't going to happen. No yeah, white caps. They had a nice, friendly conversation. Big game come up. Herdman knows what these players can do. So yeah. why take them all the way to Spain? And and there are going to be. Marinovic isn't going with New Zealand, as I hinted at last week. Yeah, and but there are th- uh, uh, three players who are making their debuts. Um, uh, Derek Cornelius, uh, who's a center back, 20-year-old from Ser- playing in Serbia right now. Uh, Marcus Godinho, who's a 20-year-old fullback playing in Hearts, with Hearts. Yes. I think he's loaned he's out had, right now. Well, no, he's had some starts with Hearts oh, has he? in the last okay. couple of weeks. And then the most interesting one um, is Liam Miller, 18-year-old playing for Liverpool. Uh, they're yes. U23, and yeah. he's apparently a, a, a very solid prospect. Yeah. He's a yeah. winger who can play a little bit as a secondary striker. You want to get him cap-tied, I think. For sure. Yeah. This is, that's the important part. This game obviously won't cap-tie him, no. but you, you want to get him But if you get him into this one, and then you finally, eventually yeah. the next Gold Cup, which is I think next year, then maybe you can actually get him in there. you got to get him interested in the team first. I'm sure Herdman will, will convince him. Now, World Cup 2026 news. I know we talked about Vancouver pulling out, but we're going to talk a little bit about Morocco here. Mm. Um, so Interesting developments so there this week. Some of the things that are happening. First of all, um, there's been a lot of criticism amongst African clubs, uh, nations, sorry, about how Morocco is, keeps hosting all these events. Uh, this is more like... Yeah, they've had the African Nations Cup. And, and, and a couple stuff. of like uh, where they, they bring all the countries together just for conversations yeah. and meetings and stuff like that. But the the... The African president, soccer president, he's basically saying that Morocco is the only country that's actually coming together to put this together. I mean, where else in Africa jumps out at you right now? Because, I mean, Egypt loved their football, but you would not be taking a World Cup to Egypt. No. Um, Morocco actually spent the week wooing uh, uh, West Asian countries. Yeah. Um, And FIFA. West Asian Football Federation uh, includes Jordan Brain, Saudi Arabia, Syria, Palestine, and much amongst others. So interesting that they're they're taking care of that. I think that's uh, obviously vital for them to do that. Now there was an article the uh, from I think it was NBC Sports about the Morocco bid to stay in 2026 World Cup contest versus Americans. Yeah, it was about what each bid has an advantage in. For example. Uh, if it's in North America, 300 million will go an additional additional 300 million will go to FIFA for the broadcast rights because it's going to be in North America, so they get that extra bonus. So that's a pretty big thing. Yeah, but 
basically Morocco are saying we're going to spend all these billions that we need to get all these stadiums. Yeah. The USA are saying, well, we have these stadiums, exactly. so we don't need to spend that money. And that's the thing. They need to meet there's – a, there's an infrastructure score or something like that, yeah. and they have to meet a minimum two by the time – before when the, when the bid goes through. So it's not even like a promissory thing. They have to meet the two. So I think level. it's May that they make the decision. It might be June. All these dates are starting to. Yeah. So they have if they night. don't meet it. If they don't meet the two out of five, mm. then they won't even the bid won't even be accepted. So that's the thing that they have to hopefully meet it for them to get in. Just gonna, just going to drop in the uh, MLS referee Ishmael Elfath was yeah. born in Morocco. Oh. He's already derailing the Canadian bid by like North annoying American Whitecaps bid. fans. Yeah. No, just a Canadian bid. Okay. Maybe he's trying to get in good with the North Americans. Um, North America, like you said, has the better advantage for the stadiums, but the Morocco's big selling point is that they're in a perfect time zone for Europe yes. and Asia. And there's a lot of obviously votes there. So that's why they're saying that they're, they're in a perfect time zone for that, which is, I think a big selling point for a lot of Asian countries and European countries for their viewers that are going to be watching the games. And just, just one for Zach. It's also really close to Qatar and Russia. Yeah, it is. It'd be hard see, to see. Told you. It'd be hard to see another World Cup in Africa, though. After South Africa in 2010, albeit yeah. 16 years later, it's it's hard to have a. Yeah, I mean, it should have gone to Australia. Oh yeah, like by in far. 2022 instead of Qatar, or if they didn't get it then, this should this 2026 should have gone to Australia. Yeah, There's, but they can't it's have crazy it. Crazy that you can't. Yeah. Well, it's just crazy that Australia's not had a chance to host it, and they've got infrastructure there. Yeah, they're they set up. To maybe go. don't have all the stadiums yet, but. Again. They, they would have been able to host a 2022. I don't know if the, with the 48 team one, will they be able to? But well, See, that's the thing. Has New Zealand going, ever hosted a World Cup? No, they're never. No, gonna. they've hosted that under 20s. So they could host, uh, they could co-host. They could, yeah, they, they could, could, co- yeah, they could co-host, but New Zealand doesn't have the number of stadiums in Australia. They're, Again, the prob- they're still. Yeah. 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 The problem now is they're both in different federations. So you'd be given one to Oceania yeah, you can't, and one you can't to Asia. Do that, so really. that complicates matters as well. But that whole 48 team thing is a thing. If we're now going forward with 48-team World Cups, that is limiting what countries can host that. And, and the thing is, we were joking, maybe we shouldn't get the World Cup now because then we could, uh, early in the week, we were talking yeah, on the phone and we were saying, we're, maybe we should, yeah, should we be cheering on Morocco, Morocco so then maybe in 2034 we'll finally get the North American Vancouver will be a part of it. But I told him I'd be dead by then, yeah, so okay. it'll be fine. I'll probably do. Yeah. Probably all will be. Gideon and Joe will be taking yeah. care of the hosting duties. Gideon will be vice president. No, Gideon will be president of, just because Joe's left. Oh, so gotcha. Gideon will be president of AFTN Enterprises. Oh. Earning a fortune. Brown envelopes from FIFA. <laughs> the media partner Free for the... Free chocolate digestives. Yes. I should have brought <laughs> you some chocolate tonight. Because yeah. we're going to play Bullseye because sadly, one of my childhood heroes, Jim Bowen, died this week. Let's just play a little bit of the bullseye theme, actually, Steve, because I did put it on on the computer. So let's just play that now. We'll talk over it. Is this that the one where you throw the? Air? Is yeah, it, it's a darts it's game. game it's the game we played. Yeah, that, well, that we had to answer the trivia question. Yes. Oh, it was a, a staple on TV for years in the eighties in the UK. We're going to have a little bit of fun of that tonight. We're already overrun, so we're not going to do that. And he passed away. Uh, how was, old was he? He was 80. So oh, that's a good song. Yeah. He'd had a number of strokes over the years, but yeah, it was a great show. Really, And his really name was? It. Jim Bowen. Jim Just Bowen. had a tiny little bit of him there. So that's our tribute to Jim Bowen. We will bring the darts back because everyone likes the darts. Had a very interesting chat with uh, Nathan at the Whitecaps. 
pitching some darting ideas to him. So we'll see if any of those come off. That's been a couple of years in the making. Yeah, it's not going to happen, but, <laughs> but we pitched some ideas to him. Um, but that is it for this week's episode of the show. Just before we go, just let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me at on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. You can find me on Twitter at GiddenHill18. Joe Deasy has left the building. His shorts were too much. The girls were just like flocking around him, so he had to leave, make a an entrance out the, the back My door. eyes were hurting too. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> I thought I had white legs, but anyway. You can follow him on Twitter, at JoeDZVan. Listen to, to Joe and Gideon doing the, the preview show with Nicholas Ruprecht on a Thursday usually. We, we've been bringing that out on Thursday. We're meant to have a couple of special interviews last week. Unfortunately, I was too busy to get them done. So we'll definitely have at least one special interview this week, possibly two. So watch out for that in your podcast feeds on Thursday. This will be out as a podcast on Monday. If you're listening to that, you already know that. I'm Michael McCall. You can follow me on Twitter at AFT in Canada. Follow us on Instagram at AFT in Soccer. I will check Instagram as soon as I'm back in. I seem to be locked out just now. Also, follow our stuff, AFTN.ca, away from the numbers. There's a lot of stuff going up on that this week. I'm also the White Cats beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com. But until next time, thanks for listening. Take care and mourn the caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Mm.